so lots of new things, I guess. Um, uh, I would like to call this meeting to order. Madam Secretary, please call the roll. Vice President Ajami? Here. Commissioner Maxwell? Commissioner Paulson? Here. Commissioner Rivera? Here. Commissioner Stacey? Here. We have a quorum. Due to the ongoing COVID-19 health emergency and given the public health recommendations issued by the San Francisco Department of Public Health and the emergency orders of the governor and the mayor concerning social distancing and lifting the restrictions on teleconference, this meeting is being held via teleconference and is being televised by SFGTV. For those of you watching the live stream, please be aware that there is a brief time lag between the live meeting and what is being viewed on SFGTV. On behalf of the commission, I would like to th extend our thanks to SFGTV staff and SFPUC IT staff for their assistance during this meeting. If you wish to make public comment on an item, dial 1-415-655-0001, meeting ID 2490-474-7569, pound, pound. To raise your hand to speak, press star 3. Please note that you must limit your comment to the topic of the agenda item being discussed unless you are speaking under general public comment and to remind you, if you do not stay on the topic, the chair can interrupt and ask you to limit your comment to the agenda item. We ask that public comment be made in a civil and respectful manner and that you refrain from the use of profanity. Please address your remarks to the commission as a whole and not to individual commissioners or staff. If you've not already done so, please silence your electronic devices. Um, before I um, go to the land acknowledgement, I want to welcome Commissioner Stacy, uh, welcome. It's, we have two new commissioners. We got one last time and one this time. It's exciting to have a brand new set of commissioners working on lots of important topics that we have ahead of us. Before I call the first item, I would like to announce that the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission acknowledges that it owns and are stewards of the unceded lands located within the historic territory of the Muakma Ohlone tribe and other familial descendants of the historic federally, federally recognized Mission San Jose, Verona Band of Alameda County. The SFPUC also recognizes that every citizen residing within the greater, San, the greater Bay Area had and has and continue to benefit from the use and occupation of, of the Muakma and Ohlone tribes' aboriginal lands since before and after the San Francisco Public Utility Commission's founding in 1932. It is widely important that we not only recognize the history of the tribal lands on which we reside, but also we acknowledge and honor the fact that the Mwakma Ohlone people have established a working partnership with the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission and are productive and flourishing members within the many greater San Francisco Bay Area communities today. Madam Secretary, please uh, call the first item. Your first item is item three, annual election of officers, discussion and possible action to elect a president and vice president of the commission, each to serve a one-year term as per the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission rules of order number six. So um, just wanted to announce that as uh, for the process of the election, presidential election first followed by vice presidential election, um, with the following steps taken for each election, public comment, nomination for the commission president, nominee accepts or declines, and then motion and a second on the nomination and the vote. Um, Madam Secretary, please. This would be public comment on the election of the commission president. 
the president. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number three for the election of the commission president, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do we have any members of the public present who wish to provide comment on item number three, election of the commission president? Please come forward. Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do we have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are two callers in the queue. Hello, caller, I've opened your line. You have two minutes. Thank you. Good afternoon. This is Peter Dreckmeyer. I'm the policy director for the Tuolumne River Trust. First, I'd like to welcome Commissioner Stacy. I've heard that you're very bright and look forward to seeing you serve. And uh, there's a lot of changes at the SFPUC. We have two new commissioners and we're about to have a new president. I'm guessing it might be Commissioner Ajami. And I'm hoping that with these changes, the commission will become much more active. I think there's a tendency to hear about issues, but not prioritize action. And in examples, we had seven fabulous workshops. A lot of information was shared, but no changes were made as a result of that information. And having meetings and workshops is very important to move us in a new direction. And we desperately need that at the SFPUC. So, um, Please take that into consideration that this is the year of action and making some positive changes. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Hello, caller, your line Can is you open. Hear me you now? have two minutes, loud and clear. Great, uh, David Pilpel, good afternoon. Uh, I think it's difficult to provide public comment until you've uh, made a motion or uh, open nominations. Usually public comment on election of officers occurs when there are officers proposed in nomination. Um, far, uh, aside from that, I would certainly support Commissioner Ajami for president and either Commissioner uh, Maxwell or Commissioner Paulson for uh, vice president. I think it's important um, to have understanding of the commission and how it operates before becoming uh, an officer. And uh, given the seniority, that's how I would go with this one. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your comments. <clears throat> Madam Secretary, there are no more callers in the queue. Thank you, public comment. Uh, item three, election of the president is closed. Okay, can I have a nomination for the president? Uh, uh, I'd, I'd like to nominate um, Commissioner Ajami for president. And I will second that. Thank you. Um, can we have a roll call? I mean, I accept that nomination. I appreciate the nomination. <laughs> um, and maybe um, we can have a roll call on this item, Madam Secretary. Vice President Ajami. Do I vote on my own nomination? Okay, mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Paulson? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. And the motion passes. Um, thank you. This is, this is definitely an honor, I would say. Um, and um, I, now I have a gavel, official <laughs> one. Um, and I just want to say I'm very much looking forward to uh, what lies ahead. This is, uh, you know, we are dealing with a lot of different 
critical issues from impacts of climate change that's coming at us with the speed of light. <laughs> Nobody is really ready to deal with a lot of impacts that you're experiencing. Also, um, the uh, lot, lots of uh, staff are retiring, so figuring out how you're replacing all these um, uh, staff members and bringing new blood and flesh blood, uh, fresh blood into this uh, process. Also trying to understand how we can grow as a utility in, when we are thinking about the intersection of climate change, water security, environmental health, and, um, and uh, um, dealing with disadvantaged communities and making sure they, are they have secure access to water and resources. These are all such important issues and I very much look forward to working with everybody on this. Um, and with that, I would like to actually um, ask for, um, sorry, um, public comment again? Okay, we'll have a public comment. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment for item number three, the election of the vice president, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do you have any members of the public present to provide comment on the election of the vice president? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there is one caller in the queue. Hello, Carl. I've op caller, I've opened your line. You have two minutes. Thank you. This is Peter Dreckmeyer again. First, I'd like to congratulate President Ajami on her new role. I think she'll do a great job. I also think that Commissioner Maxwell would be a fabulous vice president, uh, vice chair, She's trusted by everyone, and I have a lot of respect for her. And I was really impressed last week she attended the Land Use and Transportation Commission meeting or committee meeting uh, when they discussed the toxic algae bloom in the Bay. And I just thought it was great to have her there um, representing the commission, hearing what was said, and engaging. And I think we need a lot more of that with other commissions and with the Board of Supervisors. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, there are no more callers in the queue. Thank you. Public comment on the election of Vice President is closed. Okay, so I want to open nomination for the Commission Vice President. Um, I'm uh, not sure what the um, what options do we have, but I would like to actually see um, if possible, considering all the comments we got from the um, public as well, if um, Commissioner Maxwell would be willing to take this role, but I would also want to make sure we have others if they have any other comments or suggestions. Um, if, is that a question to commissioners? It's a nomination from me, um, but I, you know, we can put it to vote or we can... Uh, my question was, are you asking commissioners to weigh in prior to the nomination? Uh, I think that's, okay. Do you have a comment? Is that what's opening right now to comment? Yeah, I, well, I, I'm interested in being the vice chair also. So I just want to Commissioner Paulson, I'm having difficulty hearing you. I'm saying that since there was a question asked about the vice presidency, um, I, that I would be interested in that also. Um, okay, I nominated um, Commissioner Maxwell. Uh, do you, I mean, I don't, do you, our other commissioners, do you have any um, 
comments, reactions, I think, you know, I think it's important to kind of re realize um, what options do we have, but I think personally, I think Commissioner Maxwell and her experience in this area would be a great help for me. I would very much look forward to be able to work with her as a partner in this process. Um, maybe we can, um, Donna, I don't know, if we can be, um, would, would this work for you, Commissioner Maxwell? Do you uh, accept this if I put this to a vote? Um. If you've made the motion and she's accepted it, then we need to take a vote on that. Oops. Well, then I will not accept it yet. And, and if there's further comment, then um, if anybody. Can you please speak into the microphone? Oh, all right. Madam Chair, it's up to you how you'd like to proceed. I have a question. And doesn't there need to be a second before you do a roll call? Yes. Do you have comments, or can somebody second, or first of all? Well, she's, her name is up. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, President Ajami, I'll second that nomination. Thank you. So maybe we'll have a roll call. Okay. Roll call vote on the nomination or election of uh, uh, Commissioner Maxwell as Vice President. President Ajami? Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Paulson? No. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have four ayes. Okay. Thank you for joining the team. Thank you. Okay. So, um, I guess, uh, Madam Secretary, we move to now that we have the um, election. Uh, so what, do we need to have another public comment on this? No. Or we are done? Okay. No. Um, so then let's uh, read the next item, please. The next item is item four, adopt renewed findings under state urgency legislation to allow hybrid in-person meetings during the COVID-19 emergency and direct the commission secretary to agendize a similar resolution at a commission meeting within the next 30 days. Any comments, colleagues? Can I have a motion and a second? Um, we need public comment. Oh, public comments, yes. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item four, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do we have any members of the public present who wish to provide comment on item number four? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you, public comment on item four is closed. Okay, any further discussions? Okay, can I have a motion and a second, please? So moved. Second. Thank you. Uh, can we have a roll call? President Ajami? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Paulson? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacey? Aye. And five ayes. Next item, please. Next item is item five, approval of the minutes of September 27th, 2022 and October 11th, 2022. Uh, can I have a motion and a second? We oh, sorry. Actually, do you have any comments on the minutes? No? Um, can we have public comment, please? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment 
on item number five, the minutes. Please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do we have any members of the public present who wish to provide comment on the minutes? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do we have any callers with your hands raised? Madam Secretary, we have one caller wishing to be recognized. Thank you. Hello, caller, your line is open. You have two minutes to comment on item number five. Great, can you hear me now? Loud and clear. Okay, I'm having uh, trouble on the phone hearing the commission secretary. I think I'm getting all the commissioners, but um, perhaps the audio from uh, the well isn't piping correctly into the audio system. Um, on the uh, minutes, uh, thank you for continuing the last set of minutes. In my opinion, it is calendared correctly today, and I will communicate non-substantive uh, edits to the commission secretary uh, later, like soon. Anyway, thank you very much. Nothing substantive on the minutes. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, there are no more callers in the queue. Thank you, public comment, and item five is closed. Can I have a, a, any further discussions? I just want to highlight that we actually had two minutes, right? We carried on one from the September uh, 27th, which was um, had an incorrect date on it, so, and we have October 11th. So any further discussions, comments? Can I have a motion and a second, please? Move to approve. Second. Madam Secretary, could you please call the, call the roll? President Ajami? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Paulson? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have five ayes. Item passes. Um, next item, please. Next item is item number six, general public comment. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of general public comment on matters that are within the commission's jurisdiction and are not on today's agenda, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do you have any members of the public present who wish to provide general public comment? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do we have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are eight callers in the queue. Hello, caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Great, thank you. My name is Peter Belton, and I live in Petro Hill. This is the first time I've ever attended a PUC meeting and the first time I've called in. I'm calling to urge more action to prevent another um, harmful algae bloom. Uh, that's what motivated me to come to the meeting. I um, frequently winter in the bay in a few different spots, and it was just so um, shocking and just made to be in the water and to actually see the dead fish uh, mid-day, to see the dirty water, and then, of course, to read the, the media accounts and learn more about it and see the dramatic fish kills in, um, in Lake Merritt. Um, my understanding from the articles is that San Francisco is actually doing worse than many other cities in terms of the way we uh, manage the wastewater, in terms of our use of recycling of water and the volume going in. Um, I imagine there will be more and more people living in the Bay Area, living in San Francisco, which I think is a, is a good thing for many reasons, but it means there's added urgency for us to change the way we, we deal with the water and to prevent the um, water and the excess nutrients going into the Bay in the ways that can create these harmful um, algae blooms. Um, 
I would just add that, you know, a few years ago we were in Copenhagen on a trip, and I was so impressed to see people in a city swimming in the water, both in the river and then in the ocean right next to the water. And so I think there are just examples from cities around the world where they've managed to really keep the water much cleaner. And I think this is an area where San Francisco really can and should be a leader and uh, doing a better job both with the freshwater flow and with recycling will also help with other really important efforts like um, salmon restoration and with the salmon fisheries. Um, the last thing I'll add, I just think it's critical that there be um, concrete action and not just voluntary agreements. I think this is a, an issue where there needs to be uh, concrete steps and um, you know, various policy levers pulled that are not just really relying on voluntary action. Thank you so much. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Eileen Bogan, Coalition for San Francisco Neighborhoods, welcoming the newest member of the commission. New subject. On the Board of Supervisors website under events, there is a posting by the uh, Public Utilities Revenue Bond Oversight Committee, also known as ARBOC, for a site tour on November 4th of the Oceanside Treatment Facilities. Since the public tours have been on hold since pre-COVID and are expected to be on hold for the foreseeable future, I'm requesting to be included in this tour. I've already submitted my request to the clerk of the PUC RBOC. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Uh, Denise Mui here, member of the Center for Biological Diversity. Welcome to new PUC decision makers. San Francisco is a biodiversity hotspot, meaning we are blessed with an abundance of native plant and wildlife species, many of which we humans have brought to the brink. San Francisco is named for St. Francis, patron saint of ecology. It is our moral and ethical obligation to steward our land and waters without sending species to extinction or causing ecosystems to collapse. We're talking about the very fabric of life on Earth. The San Francisco Bay Delta is a wetland of international significance. It is an important stopover for birds on the Pacific Flyway, but we've known for decades that Delta smelt have been on the decline. Now there are barely enough to count. They are an indicator species, indicating the poor health of the Bay Delta ecosystem. Indeed, seven fish species are now threatened with extinction. You have the power to act in favor of fish and ecosystems. San Franciscans care as do fishermen, scientists, and rate peers like me. I haven't told my eight-year-old grandson about the PUC's lawsuits that block the state's plan to increase freshwater flows to the bay. He cries when he hears giraffes are dying, for example. I want to tell him a positive story about the Bay Delta. And that depends largely on whether you withdraw the PUC's two lawsuits. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Hi, my name is Judy Irving, and I'm a documentary filmmaker, uh, probably best known for The Wild Parrots of Telegraph Hill, but I just finished a film called Cold Refuge about swimming in San Francisco Bay and how restorative it can be to swim in cold, pure, open water. But 
last summer, I swam in the toxic algae bloom. And let me tell you, it was yucky. I didn't think that the bloom had come up as far as Aquatic Park, where I swim in San Francisco, but it had. As I walked into the water, the water was not greenish gray, grayish green the way it usually is. It was brownish yellow. Well, I wasn't sure if it was the algae bloom, so I swam anyway. I happened to swallow some water. It was not a happy day swimming in the bay, and I urge you to please recycle our wastewater to remove the nutrients that feed the algae. If you don't do this, we're going to have toxic algae blooms more and more often, and they're going to be worse and worse. As a swimmer who's been swimming in the bay since 1984, I beg of you, keep the bay clean and swimmable. Thank you so much. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Good afternoon, uh, commissioners, and uh, congratulations, uh, new commissioner Stacy. My name is Nathan Rangel. I'm executive director of California Outdoors. We're a uh, professional river outfitter trade association, uh, and I'm calling specifically to talk about uh, and I called in before uh, about the Tuolumne River and specifically about your commission's uh, workshops and the design drought that you've, uh, that you've adopted. Um, we've pointed out, and I just want to point out again, our concern that the, that the design drought um, needlessly harms the Tuolumne River ecosystem. Um, it, it adopts, uh, frankly, an irrational demand projection um, from our perspective. And as I pointed out a few other times, I've represented my uh, colleagues and, um, and constituency in numerous uh, FERC relicensing processes uh, across the state, and in particular, just east of you on the middle and south forks of the American. And what I pointed out is that those entities, PG&E, SMUD, and Placer County Water Agency were involved in those um, they care uh, very much about uh, making sure they don't run out of water, and they've adopted reasonable uh, projections, and that's what I'm going to be asking you to do. And again, welcome to the new commissioners, and I look forward to working with you. Bye-bye. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Good afternoon. My name is Mary Butterwick, a San Francisco resident for over 30 years. Over the past couple of years, I have attended several commission meetings regarding in-stream flows on the Tuolumne River. I'm here once again to express my deep concern about the poor ecological state of the Tuolumne River due mainly to inadequate flow releases. As stated previously, last year's count of Chinook salmon in the Tuolumne was only 186. It is heartbreaking to realize that this precious resource could disappear forever in my lifetime. Another alarm bell went off in the bay this summer with the toxic algal bloom that killed numerous fish, including endangered green sturgeon and other aquatic organisms. I urge the commission to drop its lawsuit against the State Water Board's Bay Delta Plan and work with the state to ensure flows in the Tuolumne are consistent with in-stream flow standards adopted in 2018. We have already lost four critical years of progress in establishing sustainable flows in the Tuolumne. 
The Commission's water management strategy relies on an extremely conservative 8.5-year design drought. The Commission should shorten the design drought by at least one year. To date, the Commission has been unresponsive to numerous requests from an interested and concerned public for information on the design drought, water demand, and alternative water supplies. I watched the San Francisco Land Use Committee hearing last week and learned about the potential for recycling wastewater to reduce the nutrient load to the bay. This would also contribute to an alternative water supply, thereby reducing reliance on the Tuolumne. Bay Area residents, such as myself, care deeply about the environment. We look to the Commission to be responsible stewards of the river by increasing flows in the Tuolumne. Thank you for your comments. I'm sorry your time has expired. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Thank you, Peter Dreckmeyer, Tuolumne River Trust. A year ago, Commissioner Harrington requested a regular update on ecological uh, issues related to the Tuolumne River, uh, similar to the drought conditions update, but specifically, what's the state of the salmon? And he basically was ignored, and we kept raising the issue. And in March, staff said, well, you know, he's no longer on the commission, so we didn't know where things stood. And at that point, Commissioner Maxwell said, well, I'd like to see that as well. And nothing's happened. So President Ajami, I hope you will add that to the advanced calendar, along with a date when these reports will start being issued. My colleague, Dave Warner, started producing that information for you. It's not that difficult. Um, so it really needs to happen. Last week, FishFile reported 423 fish on the Stanislaus River and zero on the Tuolumne. The Tuolumne is up to 22 today. I haven't seen the Stanislaus numbers. But you might recall that last year there were over 6,000 salmon in the Stanislaus, under 600 on the Tuolumne. What's the difference? Well, a big one is unimpaired flow. Um, on average, in an average year, it's 40% in the Stanislaus. It's only 21% in the Tuolumne. And in dry years, it's much lower. Last year was 9%, the year before 13%, the year before that 15%. The Tuolumne is not being managed in an ecologically responsible way. Um, I want to share with you that the Stanislaus County Water Advisory Com Committee invited me to present to them on salmon this coming Wednesday at 9 o'clock. It's going to be online. Um, if you'd like to tune in and see what I have to say, uh, you're welcome to do that. It's a presentation I'd love to give to the SFPUC. Why don't we have a workshop on the state of salmon? Um, it's pretty remarkable that a group in Stanislaus County invited me to present. So obviously. Thank you for your comments. I'm sorry, but your time has expired. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Yes, uh, my name is John Rosapepe. Um, I'm a former commercial fisherman, um, former angler, uh, former biologist. And uh, I'd like to welcome the two new members to the commission. I'm going to ask that the commission once again ask that you drop the lawsuits. I mean, we just had the 50th anniversary of the Clean Water Act, and we're, here we have the uh, commission uh, fighting the Clean Water Act, you know, fighting against the Delta Bay Plan. 
our volunteer, your voluntary agreement has been an utter failure, and yet you want to do, you know, you want to revamp the voluntary agreement and it's sort of, uh, you know, doing the same thing that doesn't work is madness. Um, and the other thing, um, as Peter mentioned before, and I've seen the years I've followed this, is the uh, department stonewalls releasing information that should be made public, that should be uh, transparent. Uh, and my final comment is uh, welcome, Commissioner Stacy. I hope you are able to distance yourself from your former relationship with uh, the utilities commissioner who you work for and have an open mind and be able to make uh, scientific decisions and not depend solely upon the uh, utilities information, which we've seen in the workshops has been lacking at times. And um, peer review by NIMPS has shown that uh, the uh, utilities uh, studies uh, weren't up to snuff. So thank you very much. Uh, welcome to uh, two new members. And I hope as we go forward, we uh, don't uh, continue to say we continue about salmon, whereas you really don't. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Uh, yes, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Ron Beltramo. I am the on the board of the Northern California Council of Fly Fishers International. And uh, I'm very interested in uh, the SFPUC taking a good look at uh, projections for water demand. Um, there's been consistent over projection of water demand and uh, it impacts obviously the, you know what you put into storage uh, as your plan. And I, I also encourage with SFPC to, to adopt the Bay Delta plan um, and uh, and make it workable and to increase the flows um, on the Tuolumne River to the prescribed 40%. Lastly, in terms of recycling, uh, there are a lot of examples around the world, uh, particularly uh, countries like Australia that have um, gone and, and done tremendous things with recycling, San Francisco's uh, a city of first, as is California state of first. And I think that um, it's a great opportunity for San Francisco to take the lead in recycling. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller. Your line is open. You have two minutes. Can you hear me now? Loud and clear. Great, uh, David Pilpel again. So just two items on general public comment. Uh, last night I was watching the TV news, always a bad idea, but uh, I did see an item about uh, Anchor uh, Brewing Company and their use of uh, recycled water uh, for process purposes in the plant, which included Paula Kehoe uh, on TV talking about uh, water resources and a little bit of uh, her at Crystal Springs. And that was nice. So um, good little bit about um, Anchor Brewing and Paula Kehoe. Um, I also had a question that you might address at some point. Uh, 
the last meeting had an item about the upper uh, Islas Creek uh, watershed approach, which was um, pulled and not considered uh, at the meeting. But one of the slides indicated that there was a deadline of November 10th of this year to, um, uh, let me see exactly what it said. One moment. To approach, let's see, to submit to the uh, Regional Water Quality Control Board a proposal to substitute uh, that watershed alternative for the flooding solution for the Lower Alamany area. So, uh, what was not uh, clear from that slide is whether that requires action of this commission by November 10th or whether staff can uh, submit that proposal to substitute prior to this commission acting. And uh, either way, just wondering if that will be back before this commission on November 8th or sometime in the future. Those are my two items for general public comment. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, there are no more callers in the queue. Thank you. General public comment is closed. Madam Secretary, please uh, read the next item. Next item is item number seven, communications. Colleagues, any comments or discussions on the items in the communications? I just want to, yes, go ahead, please. I should pay more attention to the board. I keep looking around, so go ahead, please, Commissioner Maxwell. Thank you. Um, thank you, Commissioner. I, I had a, a question on the Green Infrastructure Grant Program. It says, um, we spent over $10 million on the program, which is great, but we only completed two projects. And so my question is, um, why haven't we, uh, a, a little bit more on the completion of the two projects, and then when do we anticipate uh, completing, and is there a date for the others? Good afternoon, Commissioners. Greg Norby, Assistant General Manager for the Wastewater Enterprise. Uh, Commissioner Maxwell, the uh, short answer to that is these grants have been awarded over time, right? They, they weren't issued in a, in a batch process, and so they're simply at different levels of completion. So the first two at this point have, that, the status report was basically those first two have been done, and all of the other currently awarded uh, contracts are simply in progress. Um, I think typical implementation on time on those is once we've awarded, they go into design and then construction. So I think you're typically looking at, say, at least a one to three year window uh, to be generous from award to completion. So the remainder of those projects, you should see them coming back in a steady stream in the next um, uh, status reports. Um, so they're all, they're all currently on track. And we just opened our latest um, competitive round, as that report notes, and we're seeing really, really strong interest in the program. That's great. Maybe it would be, um, maybe you should say more then to that point, because when you just read it, it doesn't, it's from 219 to 22, it doesn't say where they are, you know, just to say the others are in progress, we have two completed, the others are in progress, or something to that. Very good. Just we can first read. Absolutely. In the, uh, subsequent quarterly reports, we can we can add that to the one yeah. table that has the um, the status summaries on the projects. Great, thank you so okay. much. Um, before you sit down, actually, Mr. Norby, I have a question for you too. Um, so, 
on that item, I'm, I'm guessing you anticipate why my question is going to be, but, um, <laughs> but this is back to this discussion we had about three months ago as well, which is how are we tracking the performance of these systems and are there, are we, so yeah. how is that going? So we have uh, spoken about that with the staff and with uh, Sarah Medic and Sarah Bloom and the leadership team. Um, we have some ideas for some, uh, eventually some, I'll say some technology-based monitoring uh, on the systems. At the moment, we don't have anything specific for each of the projects. To my knowledge, and I want to verify this with um, my team, we have done a very extensive set of post-construction monitoring on most, if not all, of the early implementation projects that you've heard about. So those are the uh, roughly eight projects that are built in the public right-of-way over the last several years. And there's very rigorous reporting on those, and they all either meet or substantially exceed mm -hmm. their projected performance in terms of um, you know, stormwater controls. So we know that that's a very active area of interest from you, and uh, we do look forward to getting back with more details, but we don't have anything specific at this time. Got it. Thank you. And those are the projects we have built ourselves. Is that correct? Not the so, ones that are in this right, list. Right, and that's an important clarify. distinction. So let me get yeah. back to you with an answer, and sure. I will route that through Donna as soon as I have some details. Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Um, any other questions? Colleagues, okay. So I have one more question, which is on the, hold on, I'm sorry. Um, the Tuolumne River uh, question, uh, Mr. Ricci. Um, I saw that we have a list of projects uh, for restoration projects that we are sort of moving forward with. Um, similar to that question, I'm wondering what, you know, we have baseline data. I'm hoping we are going to have a, a monitoring process to see if they're working, if they're not working. Obviously, that really depends on the year, what kind of water year it is and all that. But I'm just wondering where we are on that. Um, Steve Ritchie, Assistant General Manager for Water. Uh, yeah, this is actually a set of pilot habitat restoration projects. Right. We signed an MOU with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service uh, back in 2021 to begin working on these projects in anticipation of the FERC process. Uh, and that is actually a, a primary element of that, is making sure that we have a rigorous monitoring program to measure you know, what is successful and what is not, uh, so that then we can uh, elaborate from there in terms of future restoration projects. Uh, so uh, in this case, uh, you know, we've just begun uh, work on this project. When I say just begun work, we're still in the CEQA process for it. Uh, sure. Uh, even in the San Joaquin Valley, they take a long time going through the CEQA process. Uh, so we have to get through that, but sure. uh, we expect to be able to implement uh, sometime in the not very distant future. Got it. Thank you. And uh, Vice President Maxwell. Are two projects that were going to be um, going forward, but it looks like the Bobcat will not be, so we're back to the drawing board and looking for another project on that one. Yeah, we had several candidate projects, and I don't have uh, that list right at hand here. There were like four or five candidate projects, and so Bobcat was one we selected to start out with. Uh, we were not able to come to agreement with the uh, Tuolumne River Conservancy, who was uh, critical to uh, implementing that project. What was the problem there? Um, well, uh, I think there are, I've got a copy of the item here. Uh, the, uh, 
Uh, I think there, there's a question of whether or not people think we should proceed with restoration projects like this because they are similar to the voluntary agreement. And so I think there are uh, people out there who are wondering if, gosh, we don't like the voluntary agreement, so we're not sure we support a project like this. Uh, we will be continuing to talk with them and others uh, about uh, the need to, to go forward with these projects and try to convince them that they are desirable projects for us to work through. And how long were we working on that project? Uh, on that one? Um, actually, I don't have a, a date in hand. These, these projects have been around for a little bit of time. Three, but, four years? Uh, well, you know, probably the project concept was in uh, existence probably three or four years. Uh, the actual work on that, uh, you know, since we signed the MOU, uh, was only about uh, a year and a half. Because it, well, it read that you're going to be looking for another project. So that yes. it made me feel like this one was kind of off the drawing board. And you're going to be looking for another project. And so I'm just wondering um, if this one's going to take as long. I mean, is it the yeah. projects that, you, that you're looking at, maybe they'll be different or they won't have, have such a long lead time, three to four years? or Yeah, one of the challenges is uh, in this reach of the river, a lot of the property is owned by private parties and not by government entities. Uh, so uh, they generally are a little bit more challenging to work with to come to an agreement on how their land should be utilized. So we will, it's, it's on hold, I would say that. It's not off the drawing board, it's on hold. Hopefully we can get back to that discussion. Oh, Bobcat is on hold. Yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're not going to give up on that, uh, oh. but the time is not ripe right now. Uh, but we will be looking at the other projects to see if any one of those is ready to advance. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mr. Ishii, I have another follow-up on this, which is um, these are pilot projects, and we're going to test them for a while, mm -hmm. and then we're going to go to a larger implementation of one or two of them, right, or maybe even more. Maybe more. Um, what, what timeline are we looking at from that perspective? Just anticipating to see more of these dryers, more heat, extreme events in different ways. I'm just trying to see, do we need to some way try to expedite this process? Is there a way we can do this faster? I'm just, what's the timeline we're looking at right now? Uh, unfortunately, the timeline for restoration projects uh, is not dissimilar to the timeline for water supply projects. Uh, in that uh, there are a lot of hoops to jump through to get them, a lot of careful design consideration. And then there's the once you implement something on the ground, you can't just get one or two years worth of data and say, aha, we've got the answer, because as you pointed out, the variability between one and two year, one to two years can be very great. Uh, so uh, we think the expectation is that we can, uh, if we're lucky, uh, get, you know, 10 projects on the ground within about 15 years uh, and start to see results from them. Okay. And then are there like similar environments out there that they have tried piloting some pro similar projects that we can get data from rather than like doing our own pilot project or expediting what we are doing here? I mean, I know it's very difficult to say when it comes to natural processes, every river, every, every ecosystem is very different, but I'm just trying to understand, is there a way we can um, use existing knowledge and data in this process to expedite it? Yeah, and in, in this case, uh, some of the expert consultants we have on board 
uh, or have experience on lots of rivers, um, they're all different. Uh, in this case, the Tuolumne River has been uh, heavily mined uh, over the years for gravel and other aggregates. So it's, uh, it's been modified substantially in ways that others you know, haven't. They've had their own modifications. Uh, so, um, but we've got, frankly, some of the best in the business who are actually working on the design and uh, monitoring uh, programs that we expect to implement. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Paulson. So uh, a question for the gentleman at the microphone. So I have you know, tremendous confidence um, so far in my years here um, with the staff at the PUC. And so um, if I, for some reason, happen to have a question you know, similar to what has been asked of the last uh, two departments, such as, hey, what's going on with Bobcat? I just was kind of curious, you know, as to you know, why it's on hold or has it been taken care of or something like that. And for example, let's say I just happen to know that you know one of the Catholic high schools has you know been going for like two years now on this green project. You know what the heck's going on? How how would if I just made you know a, a brief call to the general manager and he pushed me to the right person or however I got on mm -hmm. the phone, which I rarely do, um, how fast would it take for me just to get that satisfaction done, as opposed to listening to it? You know these questions here at the uh, Commission in, in the public meeting. Certainly, uh, getting the, an answer to a question like that uh, is something you know that that's pretty quick. You know, we can tell you exactly what's going on with it. Um, but you know, in terms of a report, uh, this is something we would probably do something on the order of quarterly, twice annually. Again, these things don't move uh, right. at a rocket's pace. Yeah, because I didn't have a red flag on the. On the, on the green grants because I just two were done and I assumed well the other ones you know they're working their way through whatever ways they work it through to get whatever the heck they're they've proposed and we've accepted so anyway you answered my question thank you mm -hmm. thank you any other questions thank, thank you, you Mr. Ricci I also want to say I really appreciated every report that was on the communication all of them very useful and informative um, Madam Secretary, um, open for public comment, please. Thank you. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number seven, communications, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do we have any members of the public present who wish to provide uh, public comment on item number seven? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are three callers in the queue. Hello, caller. I've opened your line. You have two minutes. Can you hear me now? Mm -hmm. Loud and clear. Okay. There is a technical problem with the audio. I could not hear on the phone the back and forth with Steve Ritchie. I had to listen to that on the computer, and because it is not, wait for it, time coincident, there's a delay and it's very distracting to try to sort through this. So either now or following public comment, if you could recess the meeting, get media services up there and straighten out uh, the audio, it is, you know, uh, it's, it's frankly a, a Brown Act and a Sunshine uh, problem to continue with this uh, meeting if the public cannot hear what people at the lectern are saying. I've got no problem hearing uh, commissioners, but you cannot hear the audio from the lectern. It's just not, the, the, the audio is not coming through 
on the phone, so it's not piping through whatever it needs to pipe through. Um, my only other comment on item seven is on 7E, uh, David Bihar's uh, uh, excellent uh, report. The letterhead somehow has the address in the top right corner twice. Uh, that's all I have on this item. Thanks for listening. Please attend to the audio. Thanks. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Eileen Bogan, Coalition for San Francisco Neighborhoods. I am on the phone only, uh, not on APC or looking at uh, SFGov TV. Uh, to kind of amplify Mr. Pilpel's comments, I can hear the commissioners fine. I cannot hear AGM uh, for Waters comments at all. And for me personally, this is an important issue because on this agenda is item number five, uh, 15, the Stonestown Water Supply Assessment. Again, I can hear maybe when he starts speaking a little bit, but then it trails off and I can, can't hear anything. So uh, please, if that, that could get resolved. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Peter Trackmeyer, Tuolumne River Trust. Um, I too was having trouble with the audio. Uh, I did want to comment on 7H. The LaGrange Habitat Restoration Project is a very good project. Um, Tuolumne River Trust initiated a habitat restoration project in that area a few years ago, focusing on the upland area and side channels. And then the water agencies approached us and are working on a program in river. So the two are going to work really well together and it's a great uh, demonstration of collaboration. And we have to remember that habitat restoration is important, but flows are important too. For example, if you restore floodplains, but there's no water to inundate them, they don't serve a purpose. Um, another great example of collaboration is the Dos Rios Ranch project down at the confluence of the Tuolumne and Stanislaus River. Uh, this is now 2,100 acres. And um, a week ago, there was a big celebration there uh, with all the different parties involved. Tim Ramirez was there from the SFTUC. It was a great event because working together, we've accomplished so much, creating floodplain habitat, uh, restoring the area for all sorts of species, including the threatened and endangered riparian brush rabbit. And the SFPUC did contribute $2 million towards the purchase of that land, so we appreciate that very much. Um, this is the beginning. We have a lot more work to do. We need to restore the habitat, and we need adequate flows to activate floodplains. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, there are no more callers in the queue. Madam Secretary, is there a way we can make sure that people can um, I will ask, I, I, the SFGTV says they can hear the callers, so I, they don't know what the issue is right now. If I can have maybe speakers use the, um, the other mic, the ADA mic. Sure. And please, when you do speak into the microphone, please pull it towards your face and speak loudly. And if we have issues, um, we will um, we'll pause. recess the meeting and, and okay. see what the issue is. Okay, so for, the, for now, the plan is to use the microphone on your left. 
from the audience side and hope that that one is going to work. And then if that's this, it doesn't, then we'll have an alternative plan. And just testing it momentarily here just to see if it's at least working in the room. Even that one was working in the room, but I'm not sure what was going on with the audio over the phone. Um, I also want to say I appreciated uh, the comment about the collaborations. Uh, it's, it's important to highlight that we are collaborating with a lot of environmental groups. It's, uh, it's not just all grim and gray. Um, so sometimes it's also shiny and bright. So it's important to highlight that. Um, Madam uh, Secretary, can we, oh, um, any other discussions, colleagues? No, you're good. Okay, uh, can we uh, have the next item, please? Next item is item eight, the Bay Area Water Supply and Conservation Agency update. All right. Hello, commissioners. Good afternoon. Nicole Sankula, Bosca CEO. Uh, congratulations, Commissioner Ajami, on your presidency. Commissioner Maxwell, on your vice presidency. Welcome, Commissioner Stacey, and welcome, Commissioner Rivera. And hello, Commissioner Paulson. Uh, I'm pleased to be here before you today um, to provide you a little introduction to Bosca. Um, because I know, Commissioner Rivera, you and I have not had a chance to meet. So, And then also to give you an update on a few things. So the first thing is, you know, I always, this is a slide I use out in the service area, you know, what is Abasca? Uh, we are the Bay Area Water Supply and Conservation Agency, um, a special district formed by the state legislature in 2003 to represent the interests of the 26 wholesalers, um, water suppliers in three counties, San Mateo, Santa Clara, and Alameda County that serve um, 1.8 million residents, over 40,000 businesses, the tie that binds them is that they all rely upon your San Francisco regional water system for a majority of their supply. This is a map showing our member agencies, the service area in the three counties. Um, the Bosque board is actually 26 members strong, comprised of an appointee from each of the member agencies. And our goal is very simple a reliable supply of high quality water at a fair price. Um, I have the added benefit I don't operate a system like Mr. Ritchie, I don't have to operate a wastewater system. We are really focused on this reliability of a water supply and the connection to your regional water system. Um, this is another slide that I've used out in the public because I get a lot of questions what's up with this relationship between you guys and San Francisco and why does it why does it look like this? Um, and really, you have to go back to the beginning of the system being um, thought of, conceived of. This regional water system was actually conceived, designed, built, and operated from its beginning to serve the entire region. Um, that's actually a picture of the cover of the Freeman Report from 1912. That was a report to the mayor and the city attorney. If you flip it open on the inside, and I had a chance to see that the other day, the title page reads, for the water supply of San Francisco, California, and the neighboring cities. And in fact, a number of my agencies that were then communities supported the Raker Act in Congress in 1913. This water has been delivered to the region since its construction. 
and the current relationship between San Francisco and its wholesale customers uh, is governed by the water supply agreement. Um, that, it, that defines our relationship with you. Just to give you a perspective of how reliant the Bosque agencies are on this system, they actually purchase two-thirds of the water that the system produces every year, and that represents two-thirds of the water supply they use to deliver their customers and meet their customers' needs. So in addition to the water purchases from the San Francisco system, my agencies um, rely upon groundwater, they have recycled water, they have their own local surface water, they also import water from other sources, uh, state water project, valley water. In total, the total supply for the most recent year was 205 million gallons of water per day. And in exchange for the purchase of that water, they send you roughly $300 million a year. Another thing that's really different or interesting, I guess, the thing that I like the most about this group is they are incredibly diverse. As I mentioned, they serve, we serve 1.8 million people in those three counties. And the, we have small agencies. Our smallest agency is the city of Brisbane, serving 4,500 people, give or take. And our largest is Alameda County Water District that serves Newark, Fremont, and Union City at 358,000 people, and pretty much everything in between. We also have a mix of cities, water districts, and two private utilities. As I mentioned, there's diversity in the counties. About over 90% of the water supplied in San Mateo County it comes from the regional water system and the water suppliers itself. So San Mateo County is pretty, very dependent upon your system, less so in Santa Clara County and less so in Alameda County, so quite diverse. And also this interest of how reliant are they on the regional water system. And so 65% of them are 90% or more reliant upon the regional water system. So again, that's a critical component of what they deliver to their customers. So this is a graph that I actually showed to the commission not too long ago, but I thought it was worth bringing back. Um, it provides overall total water use and population in the Bosco region from 1975 to 76. That's our oldest reliable data, and it goes to fiscal year 2021, which is our most recently published annual survey, which is actually available on our website. As the headline says, the region today uses 24% less water compared to the peak use in 86-87, despite a 32% population increase. This increase is really the result of many things, so actions at the state level, actions at the federal level for efficiency guidelines, but also importantly, local agency investment and customer investment in water efficiency. Um, and I always, I always cite that because that's something that when you go out into the service area, people really speak to. This level of efficiency is also the result of extended droughts, obviously our economic downturns and the recent pandemic. If you look at this graph, the droughts are shown with the hash lines and you'll see that for each drought period, water demand reduces significantly and in response, there's some slow rebound. Uh, if I had fiscal year 21-22 data and 22-23 data, it'd also be hashed and given our current drought conditions. Um, and this is an insight that I shared with the commission last time, and, and I shared it with my board policy committee earlier this month, but I'll say it again. As I looked at this, it 
really cemented to me this question of, are we in this extended drought? Has this most recent drought, is it really 10 years as opposed to multiple two or three year droughts with some wet years in between? And I think it forces us to think differently about the reality of where we are today. And if that's the case, what does it mean for our customers and their ability to conserve more um, and what we might need to do more to help them conserve more? I don't know that I have that answer today, but it's certainly, I think, an important way for us to think about it. And the other piece that folds into that is, what is this meaning on a per-person basis? Um, this graph shows residential per capita use and gross per capita use, um, same data sets, and the drought years again are shown in dotted lines. Overall, since that peak use in 1986, average residential use has decreased by 37%. And during the most recent drought, average residential use got down to 56 gallons per capita per day. At the time, those were well below what anybody thought was normal. We were citing at the time 50 gallons per capita per day as something for public health and safety. And while it's rebounded, it's still lower than any other period. So again, this is something as water suppliers we now have to examine more closely as we consider what further actions need to be taken. Uh, we have initiated a new project to update our demand projections. I look forward to bringing that information to the commission. I'm expecting it that report will be done by the end of this calendar year. So some updated water use data. Um, this data set relies upon information that my agency sent to the state every month as required. So again, this is total use, not PUC purchases. And the most recent data is for August 2022. So what we see is that for August 2022 savings compared to last year in August, um, we had a, uh, let's see, now I can't find my number, 6.5% less than last August. Um, and while we continue to see a savings, the concern is that we're not necessarily continuing to see as much savings as we really need to to hit our targets. Um, and that is concerning, especially when we think about Summertime, August, for example, is generally the greatest opportunity for savings. So it raises a question, what are we going to do more in the event that next year is potentially dry? So a couple things. Um, this is a snapshot from our website. Um, if you can imagine with 26 agencies, one of the biggest questions we often get, we get calls because our name is Bay Area Water. People say, I don't even know who my water supplier is. How do I find out where I get water conservation information? So we use a lot of maps on our website to try to help people locate where they're at. This is a map that allows them to find rebates in their area. They click on their service area. It takes them to their water agency, provides that information. We find it very, very helpful. So this is an example of Redwood City's page. Similarly, we're starting one for gray water use. Um, and it's got our kind of our resource page on it with a fact sheet. It also has a map that will as agencies get gray water pages on their own websites, get populated with that as well. So kind of in closing, um, what are we doing now? We are really focused with our agencies in anticipation that it's going to be dry next year, right? Um, as you'll hear from Mr. Ritchie, right, we always, at this time of year, we have to plan for it's dry. Certainly every indications are that that's what's going to happen. Um, 
we are committed, our agencies are committed to achieving and meeting the governor's call for water use reductions, your call for water use reductions, um, but we're having some difficulties. So where do we go from here? We're having meetings with your staff, also with our agencies, compiling information of what they're doing so we can look collectively together to say, okay, what are their things? Are there commonalities? Are there more actions that we need to take? And what are they? Is there a stronger regional voice that needs to come out about this? Um, so I don't have the answer, but I definitely wanted to share with you that that is actually the active conversation going on right now and certainly look forward to reporting back to this commission on that and that concludes my remarks i'd be pleased to answer any questions you have colleagues any questions comments thank you Ms. sankla two things i can uh, not ask questions <laughs> or uh, make comments one is uh, you indicated people are calling to see where their water is coming from, I find that very, I find that wonderful because majority of people don't know where their water comes from, where it goes. So if they're calling, at least making an effort to understand that, that is a positive indication. Um, and I'm assuming it's much more than before. That's why you guys are putting a lot of effort into website and uh, sort of directing the um, public. The second thing is you mentioned, uh, we have every indication that next year uh, there's a high chance that next year would be dry. And I would say even if next year doesn't end up being dry, there's no guarantee the year after that would not be dry. So um, it is really important for us to be very mindful of how much, uh, how much of this uh, conservation or efficiency that we see is being implemented would stay along to make sure we, have, we, you know, we can save water for the future, right? Every drop that we are not using potentially would be a drop that we can use or we can share with the environment. So it's kind of like a, it's an important indication for people to realize, we, you mentioned that yourself, we have been, in the past 20 years, we have been in more dry, critically dry and drought uh, spells than we have been, have had wet years. And there's no guarantee we're gonna get out of it. So it's, it, we wanna make sure we are, um, using our water wisely, regardless of what kind of a year we have ahead of us. So um, thank you, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Madam Secretary, can we um, pub have public comment, please? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number eight, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do we have any members of the public present who wish to provide comment? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do we have callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are two callers wishing to be recognized. Hello, caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Can you hear me now? Loud and clear. Okay, David Pilpel again. I'm trying to be calm. I'm going to read you very quickly California Government Code Section 54953E. B. In the event of a disruption which prevents the public agency from broadcasting the meeting to members of the public using the call-in option or internet-based service option, or in the event of a disruption within the local agency's control which prevents members of the public from offering public comments using the call-in option or internet-based service option, the body shall take no further action on items appearing on the meeting agenda until public access to the meeting via the call-in option or internet-based service 
service option is restored. Actions taken on agenda items during a disruption which prevents the public agency from broadcasting the meeting may be challenged pursuant to Section 54960.1. Furthermore, the City Attorney's memo of September 28, 2021 on page 6, question 8, may a policy body continue to meet if technical challenges disrupt public comment has two paragraphs which discusses this and recommends that staff consult with the city attorney's office immediately to and recess the meeting to correct the technical problem. It is unfair to members of the public who are calling in and participating, as is their right under state law, to not be able to hear speakers. Uh, it, it's, it's just too confusing. This constitutes a disruption to the meeting, and I urge you to recess the meeting, fix the technical problem so that we can hear what you can hear in the meeting room. Thank Mr. Perpal, while you're on a call, can, were you able to hear the other speaker, the other microphone? I, I can hear you. I can hear the other microphones. It's not as clear as it usually is. I know you're in a different room, but you've you got to get media services upstairs and figure out which audio is piping which yep. way. I think it's a problem with the phone bridge, but I'm not I, I appreciate that the comment. entire problem Just, right this moment. If you if you hear me for one second, we changed the microphone yeah. for the uh, speakers, and we are trying to figure out. We did try to make it make an adjustment. So while you're on the call, I'm wondering if you were able to hear Miss Sankola this time. So you're mentioning you're saying that you cannot you were not able to hear her again this round. We did change the microphone Correct. that on she was SF, using on the SFGov TV feed through the computer. Not a problem, can hear uh, everything, they're broadcasting it fine. It's okay. over the phone, I can hear you, not as well as, as usual, but I can hear you, but I, we cannot hear anyone who's at the, the public lectern. If the, if the audio just isn't working, it's, it, it's not being routed correctly, however, through the sound system to the phone. Thank you. We are going to make an effort Sorry. to fix this. Thanks for letting us know. Mr. Moderator, are there any caller, other callers? Yes, one more caller. Uh, caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Thank you. Peter Dreckmeyer, Tuolumne River Trust. Uh, I want to commend Bosca as well as San Francisco on great strides towards water use efficiency. That's really inspiring. And as a result of this and the Water First policy, uh, the Hetch Hetchy system has more than four years' worth of water in storage. Again, it's the envy of, of water agencies. Uh, unfortunately, the water we conserve rarely benefits the environment. Uh, what happens is it gets stored behind dams, planning for the design drought, and then when we have a good water year, all that water people conserved is dumped into the river. And we have one good year at the expense of many, many poor years. So when I talk to people about this and I say, hey, you know, your water conservation isn't really providing much in the form of environmental benefit, they're outraged because the number one driver for people to conserve water is benefits the environment. So I think you should take a look at this and maybe ask your friends, hey, if you found out that your conservation isn't helping the environment, what would you think? I think you'll hear the same results I have. So again, congratulations on the wonderful progress, but let's make sure that that benefits the environment 
as well as a, a very, very long drought planning scenario of 8.5 years that the uh, the recent long-term vulnerability assessment said is incredibly unlikely to ever occur. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, there are no more callers in the queue on this item. Thank you. Public comment is closed. Okay, so we're going to take a recess to solve this uh, technical issue, um, and uh, hopefully it's going to be a quick one. Thank you, everyone.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
Okay, happy to be back. I think we have solved the technical issue. And um, moving to the next item. Madam Secretary, please read the next item. We are on item number nine, report of the general manager. Uh, thank you, Madam Secretary. Uh, item 9A is a drought, con a drought condition update from Steve Ritchie, please. Uh, if I can have the slides, please. This is Assistant General Manager for Water, Steve Ritchie. Um, as has been noted, uh, we are now in a new water year, so the slides will be uh, a little different this time because the cumulative reports don't show much because we've only been in it for a week. Uh, but reservoir storage is as shown on the slide. Uh, again, uh, Hetchy is 75% full, which is pretty close to normal for this time of year. Uh, and again, water bank is down at 44%, which is much lower than normal at this time of year. That's our, our big concern on the storage level. Uh, again, uh, the reservoirs throughout the state, not much is changing here. Um, the uh, Shasta and Oroville storage for the state project and the Central Valley project are still quite low. Uh, the California drought monitor uh, is pretty much unchanged at this point. Uh, the state is pretty much all in drought. Uh, Again, this is the beginning of the water years, so for the, particularly for the new commissioners, the black line is uh, the median cumulative precipitation. Uh, the top uh, dotted line is 1983, our wettest year on record. The blue dotted line is 1977, our driest year on record. Uh, and the gold dotted line is last water year. And so you see down there in the corner is a little red bar. That's this year. Nothing's happened so far this year. Well, I, I won't say that. We did get 0 0.07 inches of precipitation in the Hetchy system uh, over the weekend. So 0 0.07 doesn't go very far, though. <laughs> um, yes, and this one shows 0, 0.00 because it was from last week, uh, but that was just yesterday's results that I saw uh, uh, just this morning. Uh, and in the Bay Area, again, uh, no precipitation to speak of. Fog, yes. Uh, real rain, no. Uh, and again, the upcountry snowpack, uh, you see there uh, the red line is the snow pillows index. Snow pillows are actually remote monitoring stations. The black line is our historic median. So that's a curve that shows we're at 100% of snowpack around April 1st, uh, and then it starts to melt then and tail off historically. Uh, the Dot, dotted line at the top is 2017, one of our wettest years on record, uh, and 2015 is that low, trying to figure out what color that is, it's kind of an orangish color, uh, that is uh, one of our uh, least snowy years on record. Uh, and the purple is 2021, uh, which was uh, uh, you know, not, a, not a bad, awful year. Uh, but again, we're just starting on this year. Uh, water available to the city. Uh, under the Raker Act, uh, the irrigation districts have the entitlement to water about 2,500 cubic feet per second. Uh, that's that lower part of what we call the top hat there. Uh, and the upper part is about 4,000 cubic feet per second. Uh, that is uh, what the Raker Act says is the district's uh, maximum entitlement, entitlement, the Turlock and Industrial Irrigation Districts. So if flow is below that line, uh, it is their entitlement. If it's above that line, it's our entitlement. Uh, so that's why this line is important because we want to get to what's water available to San Francisco. So you can see the little blue squiggle there in the bottom. That's the amount of water in the river right now. There's just not very much runoff coming down. 
Uh, and the national precipitation forecast, white is uh, not good. It means no precipitation. And you see the top box is last week uh, and the lower box uh, is uh, the coming week. Uh, and California is completely white in both of those. So there's not really much happening. Uh, this is the slide of this whole deck that really uh, is something that's important right now is what demand is. So you see the uh, orange line uh, is 2015 demands. That's the amount of water we deliver throughout the year. This is the calendar year moving from left to right. Uh, and so the peak would be in the middle there. That's the summer. That's the, the peak demand. So you see at the top is calendar year 2013. Uh, that's the highest demand we've seen recently before. Uh, the last drought, uh, and then you see calendar year 2020, uh, and then the green is calendar 22, uh, 2022. Um, and what we have been talking to our customers about is trying to make that track with calendar year 2015. That's where we'd like to be this year, and we haven't quite made it there, uh, although these last several weeks uh, we've been right on top of that orange line. In fact, the latest data I saw this morning is we continue to be right on top of that. So, so we're doing pretty good in terms of shaving off the summertime peak. You see that green line is definitely lower than calendar 2020 and way lower than calendar 2013, uh, but it's not as low as we're going to get. So we've been talking with Bosca, and we'll be talking with the wholesale customers about what we want to do next year, and we're going to focus on uh, what specific measures we think all of the customers should take in terms of uh, conservation practices uh, that could make a difference uh, going forward, uh, rather than give them just a percent. We haven't really done that. We've been talking about practices, but we really want to fine-tune what we're requesting our customers do and make sure that message gets out clearly. Um, so with that, uh, I'm happy to answer any questions. Colleagues, any questions? Commissioner Maxwell, um, do you think like if, when you when you say we're going to tell them what they could Commissioner, do, oh, when you tell them when you say that we're going to tell them what they could do, are we saying things like if you use two gallons of water less, you will save this amount? Are we getting that specific and how you can save two two gallons less? Um, probably the well, right now. Bosca is surveying all of the wholesale customers to see what each, each individual one has done mm -hmm. and what's working and what's mm -hmm. not working. Okay. Uh, the best example that I can think of right now is uh, we could say to the entire service area, we recommend that all of the customers, organizations, the wholesale customers, uh, limit outdoor irrigation to no more than two days per week uh, and definitely outside the hours of 10 in the morning to 6 in the evening. Um, and we can't tell them to do that, but what we could say is if you don't agree to that, we will make the numbers mandatory, and making them mandatory under our contractual relationship is something I think everybody wants to avoid because it can get uh, punitive fairly quick, quickly, uh, and they would much rather hear what can I do constructively. So that's the kind of thing we'll be talking about. But we want to hear from the customers first. What have they each been doing and what's been working and what's not been working? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mr. Ritchie, one, one comment I have is uh, often people work with uh, landscapers to do outdoor landscaping or even sort of setting up their irrigation. So I'm wondering if uh, we can work with um, our team in Bosca to 
you know, identify some landscapers that can come up with best management practices, or at least build that connection as a one as one way, one entry way to um, changing water use. Since outdoors is definitely driving a lot of our water use, especially during summertime. So, um, and just because also personally, I've heard from people that they don't know they, you know, they their landscapers come and set up the irrigation and they don't pay attention and they get their bill, right? So it's, I think that's another entry point that might be, or, or a stakeholder that we can work with in this process. Yeah, we have, we have done some of that over the years, but uh, I remember back in the last drought, or maybe it was two droughts ago, I can't recall, they kind of run together, um, was that uh, landscapers, uh, generally the, the first thing they hear from the customer is, you know, make sure it looks good. And then they hear secondary message. And so if we can make that the primary message, that looking, it can look good. Uh, it can also look a little dry uh, because right. we're in a drought, and that's the way it has to be for a while. Sure. Thank you. Any other comments? Okay. Can we have public comment, uh, Madam Secretary? Thank you. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item 9A, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do you have any members of the public present who wish to provide comment on item 9A? Ms. Sankal, the last. We have a speaker. Not right now. There you go. Okay. There we go, louder. Sorry, commissioners. Um, just in, I did want to let you know that we do actually work in partnership with um, uh, CalWEP, Water Efficiency Partnership, to offer what's called qualified water efficient landscaper training, training throughout the service area. I actually sent a text to one of my staff, but I don't have the answer for when the next class is held. But that is something that we do throughout the service area exactly um, what you said, there's an online class actually scheduled for December, and this then qualifies um, your regular landscapers, a lot of your mow and blow type of landscapers as well um, throughout the service area, and then makes that information available to the public. You're welcome. Thank you. Any other callers or members present? CNN, Mr. Moderator, do we have any speakers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there is one caller in the queue. Hello, caller. I've opened your line. You have two minutes. Yeah, thank you for your two minutes. <clears throat> My name is Francisco da Costa, and we have to focus on the RECA Act, okay? And not on Basra. Focus on the RECA Act, that's number one. Number two, the constituents of San Francisco who are conserving water. Number three, you commissioners who have no sense that we have storage in our reservoirs, Hachachi, for three or four years. And we are not addressing the concerns of the salmon. And we talk, you know, about all these uh, Basra and, uh, oh, you know, some uh, training for, uh, oh, things involved with landscaping and all that bullshit. That's not, that's not what matters here. Record Act number one, 
the constituents of San Francisco, number two, and number three, your commissioners, whether you can, you're fit to do your job. And right now, it doesn't seem that you're fit to do your job. You're talking circles. And Mr. Richie is my friend. I know he loves to give this presentation, but that, does, that doesn't matter now. What matters now are the salmon. If we don't cater to the salmon, we do not cater to anything at all. The salmon were here before all of us. The indigenous people for 23,000 years, and the strangers for a pathetic 250 years, and they destroyed everything. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, there are no more callers in the queue. Thank you. Public comment on item 9A is closed. Item 9B is a drought public outreach summary. Good afternoon, Commissioners. I'm Betsy Laupe Rhodes, Senior Communications Manager for Water and External Affairs, and I'm here today to provide a high-level summary of our drought public outreach campaign this year. Hopefully I can work this. Okay, so as you remember, in November of 2021, you declared a water shortage emergency. And part of that, you asked our customers system-wide to reduce their water use by 10%. That ask increased to 11% some months later when we went to a tier two water shortage emergency. After your commission action, communication staff started coordinating with water conservation staff, and we started the design and implementation of a comprehensive public outreach campaign aimed at our retail and our wholesale customers. So research tells us that the average attention span of a person is eight seconds. Also, in order to initiate behavior change on behalf of people, you need to make your ask clear and consistent. You need to reach people in a number of different ways. So therefore, we designed a campaign, 14 different calls to action. Each advertisement focuses on one thing and one thing only we want our customers to do to save water. Whether you rent or own, indoors, outdoors, behavioral things such as turning off the faucet or shorter showers to replacing your toilets. We wanted them to be bright. We wanted them to be eye-catching. We also wanted them to be easily translated into Chinese, Tagalog, and Spanish so we can reach all of our diverse audiences here in San Francisco. We utilize the services of a strategic media buying firm to place these advertisements and the outlets that you see here on your screen. That includes social media, Google digital display ads. We place cards on the inside of muni buses in San Francisco. We also work with our partners in Bosca to place electronic um, billboards at more than 14 different locations along major highways around the Bay Area. We also had three separate sub-campaigns, one focused exclusively on our Spanish language speakers, one focused exclusively on our Tagalog speakers, and one focused exclusively on our Mandarin and our Cantonese speakers. Um, it's important to note that the sort of the weight and the percentage of the buy is directly related to the amount of water people use. So about one-third of the buy focused on San Francisco, and about two-thirds of the buy focusing on wholesale customer zip codes. Now, paid advertising is an important tool, but it is not the only tool in our toolbox, and we deployed all of them this year. So we know our customers in particular love to hear from us in traditional ways. In San Francisco, they like the newsletters, the bill inserts, the email blasts. So we obliged with a lot of engaging content about water conservation this year. We also made sure that the messages were on customers' hard copy bills. We also made sure that those messages were on the My Account Bill app portal. So if you went on to pay your water bill online, those messages would appear in front of you. 
Um, to the right, what you see is a screenshot of my account, and that green bar you see is the approximate amount of water savings we're asking for our customers. So in San Francisco, a customer could log on and see daily, even hourly, how their actual water use is corresponding to our ask of them. Now, water conservation staff also ramped up current projects and programs during this time period. That includes things like leak alerts, where an automated meter, if it detects three days of nonstop water use, that may indicate a leak, and we let them know. Um, also, we do direct outreach to high water users, and that might be an email, a mailer, a door hanger. We see you, you're using too much water compared to your peers, and we're here to help you use less. And the way we help them use less is something called a WaterWise evaluation. So in San Francisco, if you ask, a water technician will come to your house, they'll give you an evaluation indoors and outdoors, and identify ways you might be wasting water at home and not even know about it. Um, they also distribute free, high-efficient fixtures to members of the public as well. Uh, we also worked with reporters and members of the press to reach our audiences with uh, water conservation messaging. That includes a water-wise evaluation at a private residence in San Francisco. It includes a water-wise evaluation of a reporter's house at their request. And we've also, throughout this time period, been closely coordinating with the State Department of Water Resources Save Our Water campaign. And we've also been coordinating closely with our fellow Bay Area water agencies. And so what you see is a photo from a joint press conference we had in Fremont in August. Um, to promote drought-tolerant landscaping and encourage the decrease of water use outdoors. So you know from Mr. Ritchie's presentation that our typical summer wartime use pattern has a peak, right? That's because, at least outside of San Francisco, the weather is hot and the largest amount of discretionary water use at the home is outdoors. So therefore, the instructions from Water Enterprise this summer were clear flatten the curve. So therefore, starting in July, we swivel to um, almost exclusively focus on messages about the reduction of outdoor water use and also fixing leaks. We also tried different tactics in this phase of the media buy. We placed advertising on the Spotify music streaming app. We also purchased space on BART stations, both in the region and in San Francisco. And also now we're running ads inside BART cars as well. And in addition, we're continuing with a tactic that has been successful for us throughout this campaign, which is Google search engine advertising. And that's where you pay to have your content directly connected to pre-programmed Google search terms. So for example, if someone in Hayward were to look up water rebate program, our ad comes up top of their research. It really is increased engagement for us this year and has been a very effective tool. We've also tried a lot of strategic partnerships this year in order to extend our reach. That includes working with the San Francisco Apartment Association, the Golden Gate Restaurant Association. Water conservation messaging is running in San Francisco Airport because of a partnership, but by far, the largest and most high-profile partnership we did this summer was with the San Francisco Giants. It was a paid partnership, but the Giants could not have been better to work with and contributed a great deal to the partnership. This included advertising on the radio during games in Spanish and English. It included um, TV drop-ins. If you're watching on TV in between batters, they might break out into some water conservation messaging. It includes um, a lot of social media, digital ads. We had a, um, an email blast from Major League Baseball. We took over the Giants.com website for two weeks. Um, we filmed a public service announcement featuring the Giants mascot, Lucille, and that ran inside the park and also via social media. 
Um, and if you were in the park during these times, you might have seen our messaging, both on the main screen here and also at all the wayfinding signs around the park and also the ribbon along the park as well. And lastly, this partnership included six in-person activations, a photo of which is there, where we met Giants fans at the gates with co-branded rally towels if they answered a water conservation trivia question. Um, they got a rally towel, and we encouraged them to conserve water. I will say we had more than 3,000 really high-quality educational in-person interactions with Giants fans, and it was really successful. So we set forth for ourselves three trackable metrics for this campaign. The first and foremost was reduction of water use against our ask, that's the obvious one. Number two was engagement with our content, and that's tracked in clicks and unique visits to our water conservation pages on our website. And number three is engagement with our services, or people taking us up on our offer of help. So the results are in, and I will already say these are slightly outdated because the campaign is ongoing, which you will see we had 78 million impressions, and an impression is when someone sees your content. 155,000 clicks, that number, we've gotten some preliminary data from Major League Baseball and the Giants, and looks, looks more like 80 million impressions and maybe 300,000 clicks, but we'll come back to you. Um, website traffic on sfpuc.org, water conservation has greatly increased, has had um, actually on bosca.org as well. In addition, also you can see um, we've had an increase in um, asks for water conservation services and calls to our Water Conservation Bureau. However, the most important number is reduction of water use, and that, at least at the time of this, was 10.5% decrease against our 11% asks, which means we fell short of our goal. And although it, we did appear to flatten that curve a bit over the summer, so we were very pleased with that result, we have more work to do. So what's next? We are going to take a hiatus from paid advertising this winter. We're going to recess, refresh, re-strategize the campaign, and we're going to wait from direction from Water Enterprise on where they want to see us go next year so that we will be ready when you need us to be. So with that, I really want to thank you for the opportunity to speak to you today, and I'm happy to take any questions if you have any. Okay. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. Any comments? Go ahead, please. Commissioner Paulson. Um, box that that was pretty wonderful and I'll put it in context um, you know there was those things they used to call robocalls which we still get and usually it's like click get rid of you know there's certain parts of social media that just don't get that message either and you just get rid of it because you've seen that damn ad a hundred times I've seen a lot of these just by being a citizen of San Francisco and they've, there's never been anything intrusive the message has been you know like I, won't, I don't want to say happy but you know up there with that type of a uh, of a word, but it, it's you know it, it seems like it would be effective. It was effective on me, um, but that being said, just very good job. I, I have to acknowledge that this was really um, impressive. Thanks. Thank you. I have a question for you. It is wonderful, and I'm so glad to see all this. This is fantastic, and. Um, and this might be a question that you might not have an answer for, but I'm just curious. Do we know how many people are on auto pay? On what? On auto pay for their bill? I don't know. Okay, so that, that might be something to think about. Like people who are on auto pay probably are not going to see your ads that are happening on your um, on the payments page. Um, one other comment. Um, I am also very excited about the WaterWise evaluation. That's wonderful. Um, you mentioned that the advertisement shows up if people search for water conservation um, in some areas. 
And just one quick thought on that is, on the auto pay and this specific thing, we also want to make sure we reach people who are not searching for water conservation. Um, there is actually an analogy for this, uh, uh, which is, you know, in if you indulge me, I'm going to tell you the story because I think it's important. In World War II, um, a lot of the planes that were coming back at the beginning, they were uh, everybody was focusing uh, the ones that were coming back safe, even though they had been shot at. Everybody was focusing on the areas that had been shot at, and then. Um, Somehow, somehow somebody realized this is actually a bad idea because these are the people who survive. We actually need to look at the other parts of the plane that actually makes the plane fall. Those are the ones who don't make it home. That then those are the parts that we have to focus on. And I think I'm giving you this analogy because I think it sort of shows us there are some gaps potentially that we can potentially identify and see who's not searching for water conservation. Maybe we want to actually have things pop up on their screen versus the one that are searching for. Um, so, And also on the auto pay one, the same thing. The people who are on auto pay, we have to figure out other ways to re uh, reach out to them. For example, my family is on auto pay, so we don't even see our water bill uh, unless I uh, you know, I ask my husband to make sure he downloads the bill, then I can take a look at it and see what's going on. Um, so just... Just two examples of focusing on people who might not be interacting with our system as much since you are already pausing and rethinking two ideas for you. That's a very good point. And I will add that the multiple um, terms that we pre-programmed, we started with just general ones like drought and water conservation. We started getting a lot of more engagement when we did things like water bill and water rebate program. So we clearly know that people know there's a drought. Right. They're searching for news they can use. So you're right. This is information that can make us be more effective for sure. sure. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. Any other comments? Okay. Perfect. Uh, public comment? Thank you. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item 9B, please press star 3 to raise your hand to speak. Do you have any members of the public present who wish to provide comment on item 9B? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are two callers in the queue. Hello, caller. Your line is open. You have two minutes. Can you hear me now? Loud and clear. Great, David Philpel again. Um, so good work uh, by uh, uh, Betsy and others on the comprehensive water conservation communication uh, efforts. Um, I just wanted to relate uh, just a, a, a quick history. Um, I'm thinking now it was, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago uh, when there was a fair amount of uh, outreach about the sewer system improvement program, and there was a fairly provocative uh, set of uh, messages that was used, and I, I think the best was uh, your number two is our number one. Um, uh, when uh, Tyrone uh, Jew was in charge of uh, communications, or at least sewer um, outreach, I, I'm not sure how edgy these campaigns uh, could be or should be, but I think when we get a, a little more uh, edgy, that gets a little more attention. I don't know how well that's received in other communities or how well that translates uh, into other uh, cultures and languages. Um, but you know, the the more one can impress the idea of 
uh, water conservation now and in the future, uh, the better. And I, I think that just reinforces all of our efforts. And even if we fell short of the 11 percent goal, I, I think San Francisco still has the, uh, the smallest uh, per capita uh, water use of um, any city or jurisdiction uh, in the state, and we should continue to um, improve that, but we should also celebrate that uh, we use less water per capita uh, than others in other places. Um, again, uh, great work on the communications efforts. Thanks very much. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Thank you, Peter Dreckmar, Tuolumne River Trust. I want to congratulate Ms. Rhodes on a very high energy presentation. I can see why we're getting results. And I think it would be wonderful if we could put her on the salmon issue. I just got the numbers for the Stanislaus River, 541 counted so far. So 541 for the Stanislaus River, 22 for the Tuolumne. So that's a much bigger difference than last year where it was 10 to 1. So uh, let's, uh, let's make this a priority. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, there are no more callers in the queue. Uh, item 9C is an annual policy and government affairs update, and Megan Scott will be presenting. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Megan Scott, I'm the Acting Director of Policy and Government Affairs. We are a small but mighty and responsive team that works with staff across the agency to advance SFPUC's legislative and policy priorities. I want to start today by recognizing my team, Jenny Oliveris-Reyes, Rebecca Peacock, Scott Ammon, and Jeremy Spitz. Thank you so much for your dedication and hard work. Commissioners, in your meeting materials, you have a written memo highlighting much of our activity from this year. And as you can see, it's been a very busy year. At the local level, we secured approval for 35 legislative items before the Board of Supervisors and handled over 100 constituent requests from our elected officials. At the state level, we worked closely with each enterprise to track over 300 bills this year and engage on many high priority issues. And I'm particularly proud of the work that our team has done to advocate and help secure state and federal funding for ratepayer assistance. This has been a multi-year effort involving many stakeholders, uh, and including working very closely with our industry associations. And to date, our advocacy has provided over $20 million uh, for ratepayer relief, and there's actually additional uh, help on the way with additional funding for power arrearages expected early next year. So we're very excited about that. I wanna say a huge thank you to our legislative liaisons in each of the enterprises, Michelle Novotny from Water, Sitlali Sandoval from Power, and Emma Mack from Wastewater. Thank you so much for your partnership and your hard work this year. I also want to thank our state lobbyists, Don Gilbert, Jason Eichard, and Bridget McGowan. They work hard for us every day to represent us in Sacramento, and we appreciate it. At the federal level, it's been a really exciting year with the passage of two historic bills, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act and the Inflation Reduction Act. My team has been working very closely with staff across the agency to explore funding opportunities as they roll out and to advocate for our agency's priorities and projects as these bills are implemented. We just organized a very productive trip to Washington, D.C. for General Manager Herrera and Deputy General Manager Flynn, and it was time really well spent in person with our congressional offices and federal agencies talking about all of our many priorities. 
As we look toward the next year, my, team, my team's top priorities will continue to be infrastructure funding and ratepayer assistance, as these are both really critical elements of our agency's broader affordability strategy. Thank you, and I'm happy to take any questions. Commissioner Maxwell, thank you. It was good reading, thank you. I've done a lot of great work. But I had a question, and it was on uh, 1469, the Bradford Water Corporation rates. And so what will they get from decoupling the water sales from the revenue? What will that give people? I think it will help incentivize, right, the conservation, obviously, that we've just been talking about. So perfect segue from Betsy's presentation there. Um, obviously, you know, selling water as a unit, there's an incentive to keep selling a bunch of units, right, to, to make profit in this case. And so I think that decoupling will allow them to actually, you know, incentivize conservation in that way by not having the rates tied to the actual units of water being used. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Just, uh, Commissioner Possum, please. Yeah, just a quick next question. So we have a dedicated lobbyist for all three of the different enterprises, um, different departments, correct? Is that what you're saying? Is that, and this is mostly for local and state and, and D.C. when needed? So we have one firm in Sacramento that represents us. So the three lobbyists I named work for that one firm in Sacramento. Remind me of what that is? It's, the firm's name is Edelstein, Gilbert, Robeson, and Smith. Right, okay. It's Don Gilbert, Jason Eichert, and Bridget McGowan are our mm. lobbyists. And then at the federal level, actually, our contract with our previous lobbyist has expired, and so we're in the competitive procurement process right now for new and, lobbying services. And is there anybody, like, on point just here in the city to do that stuff, too, like works through the mayor's we, office or whatever? Yep, correct. We work very closely with the mayor's office, and they use Holland Knight at the federal level right, in D.C. Okay, got it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just want to say um, water is becoming definitely front and center in a lot of these legislative processes. And I think I mentioned that to our previous um, public affairs person as well, which is it, it is important to be on the right side of all these topics, even though sometimes it may sound difficult to implement or sound a little difficult to handle uh, you know, different elements that goes into these bills. I think for it's good for us to be able to make sure that we try to work to make them, um, you know, make them work for us and a broader community and make sure we are on the right side of the issue. I appreciate that you guys are focusing on, for example, uh, rate assistant because it's such an important issue. We, uh, I know uh, there are so many challenges in sort of distributing that money that was coming from the federal level. We have been trying to figure out locally how to deal with this. This is, this is a very important issue, especially when it comes to environmental justice and, and, uh, and access to water. So I'm happy to see we are trying to, um, we have been working on that with uh, different legislative uh, you know, avenues, especially since it was going through both state legislature and the federal level. So I, mean, I appreciate to see this, and I want to tell you from my pers perspective, it's important for us to always be on the right side and deal with the challenges as we are doing that. Thank you. Madam Chair, I'd just like to... Yes. Just one thing. I Go really ahead. want to uh, compliment Megan and Alexandra Gunnell, who did a fabulous job organizing um, our trip to Washington that she, um, refer that she referred to in terms of both our congressional delegation and um, um, 
the agencies that we met with, both the EPA and at the Army Corps, um, they did an absolutely fabulous job, and it was pretty clear that um, the federal agencies are um, were very impressed with um, where their money's been going, and I really want to compliment both of them for organizing a, a wonderful trip in the entirety of the uh, government affairs operation. Did a great job. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. That's great. I'm so glad. One, one quick thought I have there is we have been a leader in a few areas. Obviously, everybody, people cannot, agencies cannot be leader in every topic. Hopefully, at some point, we'll get there. Um, but I just want to make sure we are, um, th that leadership is recognized at vi various levels because sometimes because we are small, we are small and mighty as a, as a region, as a, you know, utility. I want to make sure uh, a lot of the efforts that we have in San Francisco ends up being highlighted and uh, replicated in other parts of the um, state country. So um, I appreciate you going there. I think your leadership is definitely needed in that process as you're working with different, um, different members of the legislative body. Thank you. Thank you. Um, public comment, please. Thank you. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item 9C, please press star 3 to raise your hand to speak. Do we have any members of the public present to provide comment on item 9C? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are two callers wishing to be recognized. Hello, caller, your line is open. You have two Commissioner, I raised up my hand on 9B but I will connect it to 9C. What I want to say to you, commissioners, is you do know that we have the infrastructure bill that uh, has reached you all. And this is a golden opportunity for us to get real-time leaching of millions and millions of gallons of water into the... Into the um, the previous presenter on 9B was all over the place. We have to learn, commissioners, that we need to do a needs assessment first in our backyard. So if you have pipes that are not upgraded, and we have uh, over 1,200 uh, miles here in the city, but we also have the, the huge pipes that bring water from it, from uh, the reservoir, the Hatchachi Reservoir, to Crystal Springs, and so on and so forth. And we have millions of gallons leaching, and we don't have the differency, nor the audacity, or the fortitude and the tenacity to, to address this major issue of millions of gallons of water leaching, as much as 40 million gallons a month. It's a shame to talk about conservation learn to do a good needs assessment, learn to use now, prepare for the infrastructure bill so that we can do real-time leaching of millions of gallons of water into the earth, and learn, learn to stop telling the people what to do when you yourselves cannot do a basic thing like what I've stated. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, I've unmuted muted your line. You have two minutes. 
Great. Uh, David Pilpel, thank you for the policy and government affairs uh, update. Uh, good work. I just had one very minor uh, quibble on the letterhead for this uh, report. It still shows uh, former President uh, Moran. Please use current letterhead. For example, I would assume there'd be a brand new letterhead tomorrow morning reflecting uh, all five uh, commissioners and the election of officers. So. Um, I know there are various types of uh, letterhead used throughout the organization, but I think it's just important to reflect the uh, current leadership on the appropriate letterhead. That's all. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, there are no more callers in the queue. Thank you, public comment, and 9C is closed. Madam yes. Secretary, that concludes my report. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much. I guess... Uh, you are moving on to the next item. Madam Secretary, please read the next item. Next item is item 10, new commission business. Colleagues, any new business? Okay, can we have a public comment on this? Do we need to have a public comment on this? No. No, okay. So please read the next item, Madam Secretary. Thank next you. Next item is item 11, consent calendar. Colleagues, any comments on the um, consent calendar? Any uh, questions? Seeing none. Um, Madam Secretary, um, can we open for public comment, please? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item 11, the consent calendar, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do we have any members of the public present who wish to provide comment on item number 11? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there is one caller in the queue. Hello, caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Great. Uh, David Pilpel again. Um, I don't need any of the items pulled. I just have a couple of uh, brief uh, comments on item 11A. The um, certification line is missing the word of. On 11B, I would clean up the uh, one, two, three, four, the fifth uh, whereas clause. I have no idea, despite all my involvement with Muni, I don't know what poll and depolar support uh, means. And usually Muni trolley buses is spelled T-R-O-L-L-E-Y-B-U-S-E-S. So I assume that could get fixed. And item C, the resolve clause is not indented like the whereas clauses. In general, on um, particularly on contract modifications and closeout um, items, it's helpful if the staff report and the resolution makes clear if there are changes to money, scope, and or time. And so, for example, if it's an increase of 100,000, I might add, with no change in scope, just to be very clear, money, scope, and time, because those are usually the reasons why a modification is sought. Uh, other than that, I have no issues with the consent calendar. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, there are no more callers in the queue. Thank you. Public comment on item 11 is closed. Colleagues, can I have a motion and a second on this item? Move to approve. Second. Thank you. Um, Madam Secretary, please um, roll call. President Ajami? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. 
Commissioner Paulson? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have five ayes. Item passes. Um, next item, please. Next item is item number 12, authorize the F SFPUC's social impact partnership program and request that the general manager A seek formal authorization of the program from the board of supervisors by ordinance with the proposed program parameters in attachment A. B, develop formal rules and regulations for the program to ensure the transparent and accountable implementation and enforcement of the program and C, staff the program to efficiently implement the program. Uh, Madam Chair, before um, staff presents, and I think we have a few people here, uh, Ronnie Bersher, Chelsea Ballard, and I thought I saw Valerie Tulir as well. There you go. I just want to take a moment uh, to tell you how proud I am of the work uh, that's been done to strengthen the social impact partnership program uh, by the entirety of the staff in alignment with our values of transparency accountability and good governance best practices. Since joining the PUC almost uh, a year ago, I've watched our staff diligently undergo a deep internal evaluation process to identify best practices and areas for improvement for the SIP program. And this opportunity to formally authorize the program is a long time coming. As you know, uh, soon after I joined, an audit was conducted on this program in 2021 and made seven recommendations that we agreed to implement by the end of the year. I committed that to all of you. Uh, we have already completed five out of the seven recommendations. The re remaining two are one, coming to you today and legislating the program at the Board of Supervisors, and two, developing rules and regulations which we have done and will be informed by today's conversations. This powerful program is well worth the effort of our staff over the last year. The SIP puts into practice our values to be a good neighbor to the communities impacted by the PUC's contracts, projects, and operations by calling in our private contractors to do the same. For the last decade, the SIP program has led to deep, meaningful, and positive social impact in communities in San Francisco and across the PUC service territory, and provided a model that utility partners across the country have sought to replicate. With that, it's with pleasure that I introduce to you our uh, presenters for this item, Ronnie Verscher, Director of Community Benefits, and Chelsea Ballard, Acting Director of Strategy, Planning, and Innovation. And I well recognize that this program has received a lot of attention over the course of the last year and beyond. And I really want to compliment the entirety of our staff for their commitment of transparency and accountability, uh, which they're going to be laying out for you today, but at the same time how it um, has lived up to the values that San Francisco has always been about in being good partners with our um, uh, um, contractor partners and the community. And I'm very proud of the work that all of them have done to bring this uh, resolution to you today. Thanks very much. Fantastic. Thank you, General Manager Herrera. Um, can we pull up the PowerPoint? Thank you. Um, so again, thank you, General Manager Herrera. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Ronnie Verscher, and I'm joined by Chelsea Boylard. Um, also want to make a quick, a quick moment to recognize Valerie Tulia-Luea. She's our Acting Social Impact Partnership Manager and all the work that she and her team and our colleagues across the agency have committed to uh, on this program. We're excited to present to you today about the Social Impact Partnership Program. I would like to get started with our presentation by first regrounding us in a few of the policies that this commission has unanimously, unanimously passed 
which helps guide the SFPUC in how we do business and actively assist us towards becoming utility of the future. The first of which is our environmental justice policy, which is in short states that we'll do no harm to the environment nor to the communities affected by our services. Second is our community benefits policy, which in effect is our good neighbor policy and effectuates our agency's ability to positively impact communities affected by our operations. And finally, last but not least, more recently in 2020, our racial justice resolution that recommits the agency, the PUC, to advance racial justice and racial equity throughout our entire agency, including the contracting processes. The SFPUC invites firms through the contracting process to make meaningful, positive impacts in local communities. Under the Social Impact Partnership Program, SIP, SIP program, firms voluntarily make commitments that they deliver during the term of their contract. The SIP program has been in place for over a decade, beginning in 2011, and has, in, has been included in more than 90 contracts ranging from professional services, alternative delivery construction, and power procurement. The SIP commitments have been delivered throughout the agency's service territory, which the P, which, where the PUC has projects, contracts, and operations. And that ranges from Bayview Hunters Point all the way up to Ptolemy County uh, in the Mission District, as well as in EPA East Palo Alto in the South Bay. So it spans our entire footprint. The SIP program has four program areas that firms can decide to contribute their commitments towards. They are education, environment and community health, job exposure, awareness, and internships, and finally, small businesses. This next slide provides a brief snapshot of the types of impact that the program has had over the past decade. It's important to reiterate then and share that this program impacts our entire service territory, and all of our ratepayers can benefit from it. Paid internships for young people take place up in Ptolemy County, as well as right here throughout the city of San Francisco. Education commitments have allowed for teacher profession development, and the expansion of eco-literacy learning within our public school systems. Uh, these all have a direct nexus to our agency and are aligned with our mission as an agency. I'm now gonna turn it over to Chelsea to also provide a few more examples and also talk about some of the program upgrades. Thank you, Ronnie. Hello, commissioners. Um, so a couple of other examples under the small business uh, program area. There are programs like that in Bayview supporting emerging local food vendors, um, contributing to economic development in the surrounding community by investing in technical assistance um, and bringing uh, several like new food vendor businesses um, from the very nascent stages of business development to uh, brick and mortar facilities. Um, under environment and community health, um, one of the pictures that you see there is actually a program that's in East Palo Alto, a community served by SFPUC Water, uh, where local high school students, uh, the next generation of environmental stewards, uh, were spent weeks learning about the history of water in, in East Palo Alto, um, uh, created a video, and then was able to uh, present that video to their community. Um, so again, these are um, the SIP program over the last decade has been able to um, uh, produce, you know, many, many uh, meaningful outcomes um, and hope that these stories give you a little bit of a glimpse in, into some of that. Um, over the last year, the PUC has done a lot of work, thank you to General Manager Herrera um, for his words, um, to identify opportunities to really strengthen the Social Impact Partnership Program. Um, so some of those improvements have included implementing administrative improvements, um, including update, upgrading data systems, strengthening verification of reporting from firms, um, uh, improving our internal record retention policy, and more. 
Uh, we've uh, launched a public interactive dashboard on the SOPUC website regarding all SIP commitments, progress to date for every contract, uh, beneficiaries that have received um, any, you know, a single dollar, a single volunteer hour through the Social Impact Partnership Program. So definitely encourage folks to check that out on our website in the name of transparency and good governance. Uh, we're very excited about that. We have begun building a registry for any nonprofit organization um, or public school to sign themselves up, um, which is then will uh, serve as a tool for private contractor firms to utilize that registry, um, identify you know, potential beneficiaries in the program area and in the geography um, that they, their SIP commitments apply to. Um, they can independently identify those potential partners. And we have drafted some uh, rules and regulations for the SIP program, formalizing the program's governance, administration, um, and procedural requirements. Uh, we do have an initial draft of that, but that is being informed by feedback uh, from this conversation, any feedback from you all as commissioners, um, and we will are looking forward to finalizing that um, after we've gone through this. Uh, legislative process. So could I interrupt right here with a quick question? So the last bullet point on the last slide about drafting rules and regulations, is that with what uh, um, General Manager Herrera said? This is with an eye towards ending up at the Board of Supervisors with, with the structure. Is that part of what this drafting of rules and regulations is for, sort of a preliminary idea of concepts as to what can strike into the program? Sure. So um, I'll go to my next slide because I think it, uh, Commissioner, in part, Thank you. is your question. Oops. Thank you. Um, so we are here today um, to... Uh, for your consideration, approve the Social Impact Partnership Program. That is the first step of authorization. Um, the second would be to go to the Board of Supervisors for formal authorization by the Board of Supervisors. The rules and regulations, um, there is going to be a great level of detail in those rules and regulations that are not necessarily, um, don't, you know, not appropriate for kind of a legislative process, um, but that will certainly come back to you all at the Commission um, for review. Um, so in terms of the authorization today, uh, the intent is to further ensure the delivery of commitments um, directly to the community through enforcement mechanisms um, and outline you know, key program parameters. Um, and so that includes contract types and thresholds um, that SIP applies to. That includes legal remedies for accountability as well as key tools and processes to maximize transparency. Um, so with that, I think we're happy to answer any questions, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you both. Uh, any comments, colleagues? Please go ahead, Commissioner. Hello, um, I just wanted to make a couple comments. Um, uh, as I was reading through this uh, presentation, the PowerPoint, this is one of the most outstanding programs I've ever seen uh, for a um, government entity to reach out and, uh, you know, have this unbelievable social impact on our future, our kids, our neighborhoods, you know, um, I just, it, to me, I was blown away. I, I think this is outstanding. Um, you guys are doing great work. This is uh, uh, an unbelievable program that I wholeheartedly support. And uh, I just feel like I, I was just so moved by um, the effect that it's happening, you know, that, that it's, that's affecting our, our kids and um, our future. So I just, I just wanted to kind of give that, um, uh, you know, the feeling that I had about this. So I think, you, got, you know, you're doing very good work, and I totally appreciate it. And I, I look forward to this moving forward and, and uh, completing as, uh, you know, by the end of the year and being approved by the Board of Supervisors. Thank you.
Thank you. That's Thank great. You. Commissioner Stacy, please. Thank you. I really mm. just want to compliment staff on an incredible amount of work. The interactive dashboard <laughs> is amazing with the transparency and the access and the amount of information that's there. And I think that is a really important component to this, to be transparent about what's happening, to be accessible, to allow people to see what's going on, and also to allow nonprofits and schools to participate in it. It's a really impressive effort. I had one other thought as I was uh, looking at the dashboard, and I, I know the PUC doesn't get involved with the nonprofits or the school programs, that that really happens independent of the PUC. But I think another interesting piece of information, maybe in the long term, for that dashboard and for the public to see is to maybe get some feedback about the programs itself, themselves. Um, I know maybe a couple of the programs do some surveys already that you, there may be some feedback out there. It'd be really great to see that on the dashboard if there's a way to do that without sort of inserting the PUC into that separate um, relationship between the firms that are uh, working with the nonprofits and the schools, it would just be really great to hear how people see the effectiveness of, of some of the individual programs. But I just really wanted to compliment you on an amazing amount of information and emphasis on transparency and access. So thank you. Thank you. I'm sure Paulson. Yeah, I want to weigh in and also I'm very impressed with the way this process has been going and moving forward towards uh, towards both formal rules as well as the legislative piece of it. Um, and I know it's embedded in things that we haven't you know, totally seen at this particular presentation, but I really hope that there's you know metrics about who gets jobs and who's training and is it real training and it's not just some you know cycle of something where people have done like you know five percent of what you know is really needed to get um, the community and the and the nonprofits involved in, in our process to be true partners in all this great work that we're doing with infrastructure. You know, we are not Jackson, Mississippi. We are a city that takes care of ourselves, not just our water, but our, our folks. So hopefully there's an emphasis on, on, on that particular set of metrics. Thank you. Thanks for the work. Commissioner Maxwell, please. Again, thank you for our work. We just opened 1550 um, third, uh, whatever it is, <laughs> um, our, our center. That's the program. I mean, that's what we're talking about. That's the culmination of all the work. And so I, I just want to thank you. That was a, a I mean, I, I, it's, it was so magnificent. It was so wonderful when we saw people sitting there eating. And that's exactly what we visioned. And it's because of our interaction with the community. It's because the contractors gave more because they were part of such a, a project. So again, um, I'm going to thank the PUC. I want to thank all the departments. I want to thank all of us for really stepping up to the plate. We went over and beyond, and that's what a utility of the future does. It does good, not just no harm. So again, thank everybody. Um. You know, I really appreciate this program. Just a couple of things I wanted to say. I think one thing that's important when we do implement projects or programs, 
is for everybody to realize there's no such a, like, there's no slam dunk. You can't just, like, go and start a program and it just does great from the moment it starts. It's like a baby that's born, so it has to fall and twist and turn to figure out how to crawl and then walk, right? And I think what I really appreciate about what happened here is you guys took the feedback and used it and made the program stronger. And that is what matters really here, that we we hear, we uh, reflect, we improve. And every step when we hear feedback is an opportunity for us to make a constructive change. And, and I really do appreciate a lot of different steps that you have taken, not just because there's only transparency ex- externally and people can see. It's actually for us internally to use this data to make us even better. Right? We can use this information and data to improve our processes, think about who gets what, how can we work, who can we work with, in what way. So I think that data for us is extremely useful, and I want to really appreciate both of you and the whole entire team for your effort and your diligence in putting this together, to taking the feedback, to revising your program. And I would guarantee, like, after we have all this data, in one year we may come back and say, you know what, we figured out something wasn't working that well. Maybe we should tweak this part now, tweak that part now. And that is okay. That's okay to do good things and then stumble and then fall and then come back up and try try it again. So I think I really appreciate that. And... Um, Ronnie, I also want to say, in, uh, when I ha- while I have the microphone, I, I wanted to congratulate you for the program that you, um, you did at Duke. I think that's really important. Uh, I appreciated your um, effort to go and find that fellowship and apply for it and do the program. And I would like to see more and more people at SFUC to use those kind of development opportunities because we want to make sure we grow our team internally. So congratulations and job well done. And I'm looking Thank forward you. to the outcome of that effort. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Okay, so um, great. I think, thank you so much. Public comment, uh, Madam Secretary. Members of the public who wish to make th- two minutes of remote public comment on item number 12, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do you have any members of the public present to make comment on item number 12? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are 13 callers in the queue. Thank you. Hello, caller. Your line is open. You have two minutes. Thank you so much. Good afternoon to the members of the commission. My name is Tanise Hollins. I am a co-founder of San Francisco Black Wall Street. I'd like to thank the PUC and particularly this team for their efforts to really restructure and be responsive to the issues around the social impact program. And I really called in to lend support, but also to stress the importance um, of supporting this, this effort and any others that really, really drive forward racial equity specifically for the black community in San Francisco. And I say that with an awareness that SFPUC and every other city department in our county has participated in anti-black practices by not awarding black contractors and businesses with contracts, even while building in our backyard. We have great examples of what happens when programs work effectively and most importantly, when they center community uh, and provide real opportunities for particularly black businesses to um, get a cut uh, and be sustainable. But there are plenty of examples of where this hasn't happened. I think this program is important because it's an attempt to acknowledge that there has been harm committed 
um, and it's had a devastating impact on the quality of life, specifically for Black San Franciscans and Black business owners and folks who are native to the city. It's a clear attempt to repair economic harm by directly investing back in Black business and contracting, and it's building a true pipeline for equity partnership that allows our communities to have agency and inform policies um, without scarcity influencing how we get to show up in these spaces. There are billions of dollars in the budget, projects that are worth billions of dollars, and even 1% of that would dramatically uh, improve the quality of life for black San Franciscans. So I think SFPUC and the SIP legislation is a beginning stage of how to build a model city through departments and initiatives to really push toward equity and making sure that marginalized communities have been intentionally reinvested in after being underdeveloped through anti-black policies. And it's an opportunity to create a culture that structures a way that we are ethically building infrastructure for our community we can stabilize our businesses and families in our neighborhoods. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Hi, good afternoon. Can you hear me? Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Rebecca Tang. I am a project engineer with Panko Builders. Panko is the general contractor that just completed the Southeast Community Center project. We at Panko enjoy participating in the Social Impact Partnership Program and to give back to the community because it reflects our company's values of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We are proud to support our community that we live and work in and to give back to the Bayview Hunters Point community through the Social Impact Partnership. Our employees and partners that assisted us in volunteering had a great time participating and giving back to the community as a team. When COVID hit, it put a halt to some of our plans. We revised our social impact partnership initiative to include a few out-of-the-box ideas, such as virtual training from K-12 to workforce training, subcontractor assistance programs, and community-driven health and food programs. During COVID, we quickly responded by delivering groceries to residents sheltering in place and preparing boxes for groceries for families who've lost their jobs. Some of our partners included the Third Street Youth Project, Be Magic, SF Marin Food Bank, and the ABU Holiday Spirit Turkey Giveaway. We created programs to support workforce development and training for local residents with agencies like Sisters, Mission Hiring Hall's CAPSA program, Ignite Education, and the Construction Exposure program. These programs were so successful that Panko has been asked to continue to provide additional classes and training beyond what we committed to within the project. Panko also aided in economic and business development for local small businesses within the Bayview Hunters Point in different ways, such as providing safety training, professional and financial support to help them grow. It is our belief that we can help our partners to be successful, then the project itself will be a success. We believe that more. Thank you for your comments. I'm sorry your time has expired. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Commissioners, what I want to say is uh, the community embraces social impact partnership. And we can uh, say a lot about the situation at hand, the misdeeds of uh, Duane Jones 
and Julia Dallas, which uh, the Hamdan is so deep that to holistically run a good program will require a lot of tenacity and fortitude. I have worked uh, in the community for 40 years. I participated in each of the meetings of the task force on the sewer system improvement project. $300 million, that's 5% of $6 billion was set aside. 150 for outreach managed by Juliet Ellis and 150 million managed by Duane Jones. I have heard the presentation. I know of the people who can do good and we have to have quarterly reports. And the best way to do that is not a matrix, but a digital platform. We are in the year 2022. We need a digital platform. Thank you for your comments. I'm sorry your time has expired. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Hi, my name is Nicole Quinto, and I'm calling on behalf of YCD, which is a nonprofit organization located in District 10. Um, the SFPUC has been working with YCD since at least 2012, and they have been an amazing supporter and partner uh, for our youth internship efforts, which most notably includes our college-bound internship program called CityWorks, which they were a co-creator of during its, its inception. Excuse me. This specific SIP program was designed to increase equity and access to opportunities for underrepresented minority youth across multiple professional sectors. The goal is to place young adults ages 17 to 22 years in the workplace to gain skills necessary for academic and career success. This paid internship has provided many young adults with valuable real-life work experience that they otherwise wouldn't have access to. So to give you all a general view of the success, oh my goodness, success of the program in total, uh, to date we have over 100 students um, come through the program. We've had 38 that have gone on to be college graduates. 31 are currently enrolled in our four-year uh, four institution and 18 are in the community colleges. Um, I say all this because none of it would be possible if it wasn't for um, our honorable partners and most notably the SFPUC and the SIP program. Their commitment to our program and the District 10 community is greatly appreciated and we look forward to continuing to work with them. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your comments. Hello caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Hello, my name is Adriana Ayala. I'm executive director of the Chicana Latina Foundation, which is a nonprofit community-based organization. We've been around for uh, 45 years. And during those years, we've served the Latinx community. Um, you know, I, I love hearing all the conversations that are going on here and, uh, you know, in terms of asking the commission to approve the SIP program. 
um, and we wholeheartedly support that. Uh, you know, we're an organization that uh, has supported college students in the community college, four-year university, graduate school. Uh, we provide scholarships and provide uh, leadership training in terms of helping, you know, the college students own their own narrative, their story. Uh, and of course, that they're committed to serve their community and social justice issues. Who do we serve? 90% uh, of the students are low-income and first-generation college students. Many are the daughters of immigrants or immigrants themselves. Some are LGBTQ. Others are dreamers. Um, our impact in the community has been critical as 95% uh, who attend UC, UC's graduate compared to 70% statewide. This is, uh, for CSU, it's about 95% that we graduate compared to 50% statewide. 88% graduate from community college and statewide is about 40%. Um, and we, you know, in terms of our profile of the students that we serve, we're a reflection of the communities that uh, uh, SFPUC serves. Uh, now, these last several years, uh, our SIP Partners have supported our students by providing scholarships um, and other funding for their leadership skills. Um, our peace, our SIP partners have highlighted the students. Thank you for your comments. Sorry, your time has expired. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Thank you, Peter Dreckmeyer, Tuolumne River Trust. Uh, the SFPUC environmental justice policy is very good and something you should be proud of. Uh, one thing that is somewhat problematic is it addresses communities in the SFPUC service area only. And there are communities outside of the service area that are heavily impacted by SFPUC policies. Uh, for example, the Delta communities, which are predominantly lower income and many are majority people of color, suffer toxic algae blooms on a regular basis. We had the big one here in the Bay Area this summer. Uh, it's much worse in the Delta. And the cause is stagnant water, full of nutrients, a lot of sunlight. So we have these regular blooms there. Uh, these are human beings just like us, and we need to do what we can to protect their quality of life. So I have two recommendations. One is to invite Restore the Delta to give a presentation to the commission on the Delta's toxic algae blooms. Second, when a new Tuolumne River Voluntary Agreement comes to you, ask your staff, how will this agreement benefit the Delta? How will it prevent these toxic algae blooms? My guess is that it won't and if something's overlooked. And we have to remember that the Bay Delta Water Quality Control Plan is aimed at restoring the Bay Delta and the rivers that restore it, not just the rivers. So please take this into consideration. Uh, it's not okay to plead ignorance. We need to learn more about the toxic algae blooms in the Delta and the contributions that the SFPUC contributes to that. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Hello, caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Hello, my name is Dave Taney, and I'm the executive director for the Muddle Load Workforce Development Board. 
We serve um, Amador, Calaveras, Tuolumne, and Mariposa counties. Uh, your reservoir is in our region, uh, Hetch Hetchy. And so um, we have had a great experience with your folks uh, coming down here um, and uh, rolling out the SIP program, um, namely Valerie and Zelda have, have really become in, um, really uh, instrumental in helping uh, bring multi-craft core curriculum, the, the, the construction trade um, crafts to this area. Our local college doesn't offer those classes, and we, they're, they're, it's the only place where locals can learn construction trades. And we've run nine cohorts with over 100 uh, graduates, and, and the vast majority of them have um, received jobs either with local unions or with, uh, with local construction companies. Um, the impact that this has had on us has been immense. Our, our, our rural community uh, youth um, now can look forward to finding a job locally here instead of uh, having to leave the area. Um, local businesses can rely on a local pipeline of, of talent coming in. And we've also been able to lever leverage many of our workforce development programs um, to help those that have been underserved, like justice involved and women. And, um, and so we're very, very supportive of this program. And um, we hope that uh, you continue to roll it out in our area and, and bring San Francisco to the mountains. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Hello, caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Hello, my name is Nathaniel, and I'm a graduate from the um, cohort program out of Tuolumne County. And I just want to call and say thank you for having the program because I have gone from very low income uh, living to now living in a status of um, goodness, actually. And I just want to say that because of SFPUC, I have um, gone somewhere with myself rather than being stuck in a low income area. So thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Hello, caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Caller, are you there? I am. I am. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. You have two minutes. Great. Thank you. My uh, commissioners, thank you for the opportunity to speak. My name is Lisa Butler. I am a senior principal with Stantec Consulting in our water resources group. As a firm, Stantec is uh, committed to equity, inclusion, and diversity, and very much committed to giving back to the communities that we live and work in. And for that reason, we've been particularly privileged to participate in the SIP program. Um, our voluntary um, effort, my personal voluntary effort has uh, for the last seven years been focused on Tuolumne County. And I've been working with providing community benefits for the residents having um, involved in the educational system. So this has been particularly meaningful for me. I grew up in the region, as well, the previous caller kind of noted. Um, it's a very rural area, and it is a traditionally underserved area. So being able to go back to my hometown and participate has been really just really wonderful for me. Um, at any rate, uh, one of the things that we've been able to do is uh, work with our sister agents, our sister firms, 
and come together to participate in the Engineers and Scientists in Schools Week. And just in just this last March, one week, we were able to get nine firms working together to visit nine local schools, bringing 24 volunteers to go out and spend time in classrooms with, their, uh, with students and talk about STEM and talk about their own careers. Um, we did do some surveying around that. Um, we've received wonderful feedback from both the teachers, volunteers, and students. Some of the, some of the presenters received the most beautiful notes from students. And the event really has been very meaningful, and it's very impactful because we've been able to come in and do it in one week. So all involved have just really enjoyed it. Another very fun thing about this has been able to, I've been able to work with the sister firms and help their engineers and scientists work through their anxiety to be able to talk to people in elementary school, which has been actually somewhat terrifying for some of them. At any rate, we really appreciate the opportunity to participate in SIP and look forward to continuing our engagement with it. Um, as Thank you for your comments. I'm sorry your time has expired. Next caller, you have two minutes. Hi, can you hear me? We can hear you. Hi, my name is Jason Wood. I'm a field representative for Labor's Local 1130 out of Modesto. Um, I've been heavily involved in this Tuolumne County cohort program for the past four and a half years. I've seen so many men and women succeed and change their lives with the help that has been provided to them by the SIP. Um, I believe right now we currently have about 15 apprentice laborers that came out of that program that are working out of Local 1130. There's five of them up there on the Mountain Tunnel Project. Um, this program has been a big benefit to the unions, the community, but most of all the cohorts. Um, many of them lack the skills to get good paying jobs in this collaborative teaches them construction skills, interview skills, and how to interact uh, with employers one-on-one. -on -one. The barriers the SIP help remove, such as initiation fees, the tools that are provided by helping, provided to help with their driver's license are crucial to these men and women in getting back on their feet. Without this funding, none of this would be possible. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Um, yes, good afternoon. My name is Nyree Monroe, and I'm the Director of Workforce, Youth and Family Services for Mission Neighborhood Center. Our organization has nine sites throughout San Francisco with the focus on serving highly neighborhoods of color in Mission and Bayview. Our workforce development department use employment through a lens of violence prevention and as a tool to support, empower, and engage our community. Our goal is to remove the barriers and obstacles that prevent our clients from securing and retaining meaningful employment and provide the realistic pathway to living wage work. Our program has benefited tremendously from the Social Impact Partnership Program. One of the biggest obstacles we face when serving high-need populations is access to barrier removal resources. Many clients are often not able to access employment opportunities due to a lack of financial resources to pay for training, uniforms, licensing, and other fees associated with employment. Through our work with the SIP program, we have placed 147 men and women from high-need communities in full-time benefited positions. 
Without the financial support of the SIP program, these placements would not have been possible, as our organization would not have had the financial resources to support these individuals in removing their barriers. I am here to let the Commission know how valuable and important the SIP program is to the community. It is definitely a program that has direct and immediate impact, providing opportunities, excuse me, where oftentimes they do not exist. We are fully committed and excited about the opportunity to continue our work with and support of the SIP program. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Hello, caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Hi, I'm Chris Chun. I'm a town chair and new associate and Bill and Jacob associate. We've been working with the SIP team for, for the last six years on, on various SFPC projects here in uh, San Francisco and also up in that country in Tuolumne and Maricopa County. And, you know, we've, we've found a lot of benefit working with the team and it's really the scope to our core of our company is, you know, impacting the company, the communities that we work in, with the projects that we work on, the people that we hire, and then how we get back to the community. And, you know, just for some recent examples, you know, Lisa here on the call here mentioned uh, dinner with the scientists and, and engineers and tools week. That's been something that our, our team has really, really enjoyed doing, and we've seen the impact that it's made in the community. Also, up in the upcountry, we understand that, um, you know, some funds can go a lot further in Tuolumne County than they can in San Francisco County. And so we provided scholarships to community, uh, Columbia Community College up there for people who are interested in going into uh, the water the water industry, we're going to become an engineer uh, or working at a water treatment plant or even working for Hedge Hedge. And so, so some of those recent examples in the upcountry, we've seen a lot of benefit for our employees, but also the community. And then here in San Francisco, we've adopted John McConnell High School and we provided everything from, you know, radios for the, the, the school administration to use, but mostly coming into uh, classrooms and providing hands-on experience for a project that's you know literally two blocks away from the school, uh, the Folsom Area Stormwater Improvement Project, and just kind of being able to show them that you know a project in their neighborhood is uh, impacting the community and preventing flooding in the future. And so just doing all this community benefit work has really been natural for us in that in the indication, and you know, totally support uh, everything that SFPC and the SFP team is doing here in the future. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Hello, caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Thank you. Hello, my name is Michelle Leonard Bell, and I am the Executive Director of Mission Hiring Call. Um, thank you to the SFPUC for creating this robust program to support the community and those in the community that need support the most. Mission Hiring Call serves San Francisco job seekers with two locations, one in the Soma District, one in the Mission District. Mission Hiring Call is a sector coordinator for City Build Academy, as well as the home of the CAPTA program, which stands for the Construction Administration and Professional Services Academy. Both training programs place participants into careers in either the construction trades or inside of construction companies in an entry-level administrative capacity. SIP support is critical to the enhancement of both programs. Contractors such as Emerson, Panko, and Walsh have supported the program with much needed funds, which have filled funding deficits and given training support to the participants of the program itself. This support is invaluable and participants are able to enter the industry with knowledge and training, which only leads to higher retention rates and stability on employment paths. 
We currently have participants who have trained with these programs working on PUC projects with plans to place more. Please formally approve the SIP program. It helps us to continue to connect with residents with life-changing opportunities. Thank you so much. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, Commissioners, there's one more caller in the queue. Hello, caller. I have opened your line. You have two minutes. Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Once again, David Pilpel. So I'm sorry, but I take a different view of this item. I am opposed to this, even with the parameters, rules, and regulations. Uh, I think all aspects of this uh, program are ripe for the kind of uh, abuse that led to uh, the, the FBI uh, investigating um, various aspects of city government and people leaving and whatnot. I think that this program is not needed. I think there are other ways to achieve the same or better community and public benefits from contractors. I would just include that work in the project scope. I think that this is some kind of an organized, uh, I don't want to characterize it because I'm going to use the wrong word and I don't want to do that. I just don't like the way this is uh, structured. I think we should evaluate uh, bids uh, based on the cost and the performance, the value that uh, the public and the ratepayers uh, get from uh, the bids and that anything that's necessary to get the work done, including workforce uh, training or anything else, should be included in the project scope. So I am opposed to the social impact partnership program, period. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, there are no more callers in the queue. Thank you. Public comment and item 12 is closed. Colleagues, any more comments, discussions? Can we ha can I have a motion and a second on this item? I will move it. Second it. I'll second it. Madam Secretary, can you call the roll? Pres President Maxwell? Or, I'm sorry, President Ajami? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Paulson? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have five eyes. Excellent. The item passes. Next item, please. Next item is item number 13, approved modification number five to contract number WW628, increasing the contract amount by 58572067 for a total contract amount of 548823816 approved a decrease to the contract cost contingency for a total contract cost contingency amount of 6556359 and authorize a general manager to approve future modifications to the contract for a total contract amount of up to 555380175 with no change to the contract duration in alignment with the current new headworks approved budget Audible. Okay. 
uh, Jignesh Desai, Senior Project Manager at, for Infrastructure Division. Uh, agenda item in front of you today is to approve modification number five, uh, increase the contract amount and decrease the construction cost contingency for WW628 Southeast Water Pollution Control Plant New Headworks Facility. I have a brief presentation to provide objectives of the ongoing construction project, overall status of the various scopes, and provide progress on the last scope number three. I want to acknowledge our construction manager, Jim Wang, presence in the audience. He and his team has been superb uh, keeping the cadence of our construction progress. Uh, uh, as the name suggests, um, Headworks is the first step at the treatment facility where wastewater and stormwater that's been collected in collection system arrives at the treatment plant. Also known as a preliminary treatment where all the screening, debris, and greet large volumes are removed that are transported from our combined storms sewer system. Uh, for any treatment plant to function better, it's important that floatable and grids are removed upfront as much as efficiently it can. Uh, recently, Southeast Plant Operation Manager told me we had a little storm on September 19th. Uh, we received 90,000 pounds of grit overnight. Uh, our current headworks treats about 50% efficiency, so what that means is 90,000 pounds grit passed headworks and went to the downstream processes. So uh, the grit loading of this magnitude is at Southeast Plant is not unheard of, and it's quite common in the combined storm sewer system. Uh, our new headworks is anticipated to remove 90% of the grit upfront, so almost doubling the removal efficiency. Uh, secondly, this commission um, has established level of service to maximize control of orders, noise at the fence line, and also improve the visual uh, aesthetics of our infrastructure projects. I missed to say on the previous slide, the other major objective is also seismic reliability and operational flexibility, along with making sure we are able to comply with our 250 million gallons per day permitted capacity. Uh, this slide depicts overall scope of work for Headworks project. Uh, many of commissioners have visited Headworks construction project and familiar with the project settings. Uh, we welcome construction tour of if any one of you want to come back and revisit us. Also, as a first-time commissioners, we are welcome to uh, welcome you for the visit. Uh, Headworks project is located at Evans and Rankin Street, as depicted on the slide. We have three scopes to deliver this project. Scope one was to demolish our oldest wet weather headworks uh, to make room for construction of a new headworks. Uh, we also install 100 million gallons per day temporary reroute pipe on Evans and many utility reconfiguration. Scope one, I'm happy to report, has been completed. Uh, so as scope two, which was to rehabilitate our 150 million gallons per day Bruce Flynn wet weather pump station. Uh, scope three consists of three major scopes as uh, listed here. Uh, one of them is new screening, new grid removal, order control facility, and influent lift station rehabilitation. We are at 70% construction complete on scope three. On a monthly basis, our capital di director provides you commission construction update on three major Southeast projects. Headworks is one of them to provide regular update to this commission. 
The HeadWorks project budget as approved by the commission is $679 million. For scope three, as listed, we have completed about 80% of our trade packages and very few large, uh, small size packages left to be bid out. Uh, the current ongoing construction work includes civil, structural, electrical, fire protection, HVAC, and various process equipment installation. The photo you see on the slide is of a screening handling building wall, approximately 40 feet high, and our iron workers are doing a great job installing the form work that will be later on poured concrete on it. The next four months, our focus is to cut over large influent pipes, ranging from size 84 inch to all the way to 36 inch, and uh, remove the existing influence structure area and activate the new influence structure. Our project is listed on the slide. Substantial completion is targeted for September 2023, about this time of the next year, and final completion in February 2024. So in conclusion, the request in front of you today is to approve modification number five, that would decrease contingency that is already in the budget and place it in the contract capacity. And that will allow us to encumber remaining bid packages, finish construction, and place new headworks in service by 2023. The modification file reflects the latest bids received, the remaining bid packages, estimates, and current market conditions. With that, I'm happy to take any questions you may have. Thank you. Colleagues, any questions? Thank you. So let's uh, call public comment, please. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number 13 plus star three to raise your hand to speak. Do we have any members of the public present who wish to provide comment on item 13? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are two callers in the queue. Hello, caller. Your line is open. You have two minutes to comment. Commissioners, uh, first and foremost, uh, I would like to commend the leadership linked to the headworks. Uh, I've been following this project for a long, long time, and it is one of the few projects that uh, in spite of hurdles being put in its way, has uh, maintained some standards. The Bayview uh, needs uh, a new treatment plant so that uh, the smell contamination in previous years, a long time ago, stewing of the methane gas is eliminated so that quality of life issues can be enjoyed by the constituents. Towards this goal, the Hillworks project has shown to the community that it wants to serve them. So the manager needs to be commanded. We also have to include 
the precautionary principle, which is a law in San Francisco, to apply to the other projects because we have a lot of contamination from this area. Not so much the engineering, but the sites and locations. Thank you for your comments. Sorry, but your time has expired. Hello, caller, your line is open. You have two minutes to comment. Great, David Philpel once again. Um, so on this uh, item, I am very supportive. I could not tell, however, from the resolution and the, the staff report if there are any changes in scope or if this is simply uh, adding more money to an existing uh, project because of the, the economic uh, circumstances. There was also no reference in the staff report or the resolution to in the environmental document. I, I believe in previous um, items like this, there would be uh, an environmental uh, review box and a reference that um, the project was already cleared and that since there were no uh, changes in scope that it doesn't require any further environmental review and possibly a whereas clause um, thing, that kind of thing. I, I, I don't know that it requires an amendment uh, to this item, but I think that would be best practice uh, going forward. Um, it might help if you could just um, clarify on the record, in fact, that there are no changes in, in scope and that there is an improved and approved CEQA document. Uh, to summarize, though, great work by staff with a very con constrained space and lots of uh, challenges at the, the plant and other uh, projects uh, to coordinate with. And in particular, that MTA decided in the middle of everything else to implement an Evans Avenue quick build project and remove a lane of traffic on Evans, uh, making uh, traffic even more challenging right through the project area, right in the middle of uh, constructing this very important new headworks facility and the Bruce Flynn uh, pump station upgrades across the street. Anyway, great work by staff. Thank you very much. I'm good. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, there are no more callers in the queue. Thank you. Public comment on item 13 is closed. Actually, I want to follow up with you on that last question because I also had a little bit of a... I figured it out after I read it a few times, but that was a little unclear in the document. So um, would you please qualify, uh, elaborate a little bit more? Thank you, Commissioner. So all the changes and all the modifications were done a year and a half ago. Uh, there is no additional scope that requires additional CEQA uh, documentation. So all scopes have been properly gone through CEQA clearance. We are basically, we had this money in contingency, we are just moving it to an actual usage. That's what's exactly. happening. Exactly. Right. Just wanted to make sure this is clear. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, colleagues, any more discussions? Can I have a um, motion and a second, please? Move to, move to approve. Second. Madam Secretary, could you please um, call the roll? President Ajami? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Paulson? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. We have five ayes. Item passes. Thank you so much. Uh, could you please read the next item? Thank you. Next item is item 14, approved Clean Power SF's 2022 Integrated Resource Plan Compliance, compliance Filing 
and authorize the general manager to submit the final integrated resource plan filing to the California Public Utilities Commission by the November 1st, 2022 deadline. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Cheryl Taylor, operations manager for Clean Power SF. I'm here today to make our final presentation on the 2022 integrated resource plan and to seek commission approval and adoption of a preferred conforming portfolio. If you recall, we presented an overview of the planning process on June 14th, provided a status report on September 13th, and presented preliminary findings on October 11th. Before starting, I'd quickly like to recognize the truly creative and thoughtful work performed by our communications team, manager Peter Galata and his team members, Donald Pollitt, Jackie Randazzo, and Cassidy Wallerstein. They created a model stakeholder engagement program that is one of a kind among CPUC jurisdictional entities. So as a reminder, an integrated resource plan is an energy planning tool or process used to support achieving policy goals and meeting regulatory requirements. Our planning process is focused on identifying a portfolio of electricity resources to meet our customers' demand at the lowest cost, while also meeting local policy goals and state regulatory requirements. We are required to submit this plan to the California PUC by November 1st, next Tuesday. The plan we submit will identify a portfolio of electricity resources to meet our customers' electricity demand through 2035. Oh, I think, uh, okay, okay, sorry about that. Integrated resource plan portfolios. So the CPUC allows electricity providers to consider conforming and alternative portfolios in their plans. With the conforming portfolios, we are required to use inputs and assumptions provided by the CPUC. Alternative per portfolios provide us the flexibility to use Clean Power SF specific inputs and assumptions. And so today we're requesting that the Commission approve and adopt a conforming portfolio as Clean Power SF's preferred portfolio as required by the CPUC. But we will use both the preferred and alternative portfolios to, perform, to inform power supply procurement needs. Okay, great. All right, so um, we have four scenarios, um, two each that are conforming and alternative. So the first two um, are base case, which meets the city's 2025 renewable energy goal. The second, a time coincident case that emphasizes matching renewable energy produced with customer electricity usage in 95% of all hours by 2030. Clean Power SF staff analysis also identified the power supply resources that would be required to serve no less than 90% of all hours with renewable energy by 2030. And we have two alternative scenarios that include a climate action plan or the mayor's electric vehicle and building electrification targets case, and that supplies the estimated increase in load through 2040, resulting from San Francisco's emission-free passenger vehicle trips and building decarbonization targets. And lastly, a local resource procurement case that supplies half of Clean Power SF's forecasted electricity usage with local resources by 2030. So speaking of local resources, we recognize this is a, an important goal for the program. So our project team required all portfolios to include over 285 megawatts of local resource capacity, which we've listed here. 
the local investment, this local investment represents about six to 700 million commitment in local projects. So on to the results. So in these three pie charts, we illustrate the total resource capacity in 2035 for each conforming portfolio developed to supply 100% renewable energy by 2025. So the base case up top includes about 2,300 megawatts of total resource capacity in 2035, while the 95% time coincident portfolio on the lower left calls for about 3,250 megawatts of total capacity by 2035. That's about 40% more than the base case. The 90% time coincident portfolio on the lower right provides a mid-case example and includes about 2,500 megawatts of total resource capacity by 2035, and that includes the most energy storage and geothermal capacity. And you can see the new resource capacity for each portfolio is above each of the pies. The 90% time coincident case provides a happy median calling for about 922 megawatts of new resources by 2035. Okay, um, the portfolios, as you see, have similar and diverse energy mixes. The 95% time coincident case includes the most wind, both on and offshore, while the 90% time coincident case includes the most geothermal generation in 2035. On to the cost. This slide shows the portfolio costs over the 2023 to 2035 planning horizon. The base case portfolio costs are the lowest of the conforming portfolios, while the 95% time coincident portfolio is the most costly, and this is due to the significant amount of additional energy supply that's required. The 90% time coincident portfolio is only about 4% higher in cost than the base case, while the 95% time coincident portfolio is 30% higher than the base case. So we invite you to um, visit our website at cleanpowersf.org resource plan um, for um, a lot more detail and comprehensive results. As well, in um, this packet, we have um, the alternate portfolio modeling results that I went over on October 11th. So we'll skip ahead to the evaluation and recommendation. We want to review the criteria we use to evaluate the conforming portfolios and metrics used to recommend a preferred conforming portfolio. But first, I want to just summarize how we engage community members and sought their feedback. So if you recall in our June 14th visit to you, we presented a two-phase community outreach plan. Phase one was discovery and input in which we presented the planning process, released a community survey, and held workshops. In between these phases, we hunkered down with our technical advisor, and then during the second phase, which occurred from mid-September through October 14th, we sought feedback on the modeling results through virtual community listening sessions and an online feedback form. Feedback was expressed across a broad spectrum and included an emphasis on rates and electric system reliability, interest in the role that distributed energy resources could play in local reliability, and a general support for the 90% time coincident portfolio with interest in um, achieving a higher rate of time coincidence in the future. So on to our portfolio evaluation. To prepare a staff recommendation for this year's integrated resource plan, we evaluated each of the conforming portfolios developed using a set of metrics tied to the program goals that have been adopted by the mayor, board of supervisors, and this commission for Clean Power SF. 
and those goals are identified here on this slide. So onto the portfolio rankings, um, staff weighed the results of our analysis against that matrix. And with respect to affordability, the 90% time coincident portfolio is in the mid-range. It was second lowest um, portfolio behind the base case and second most reliable and diverse behind the significantly more costly 95% time coincident portfolio. Across the board, all of the portfolios yielded com comparable results on providing cleaner energy alternatives and local investment. And the base case and 90% time coincident case also provided comparable long-term rate and financial stability. By contrast, the 95% time coincident case would cause Clean Power SEF to sell a great deal of excess electricity into the wholesale market. And just to stay on this for a moment, this, that would mean that Clean Power SEF would be taking a speculative position that it would be able to recover the cost of these resources from volatile wholesale markets. This business model increases risk to Clean Power SEF ratepayers who ultimately bear responsibility for these costs through generation rates. So, on to our recommendation. Overall, the 90% time coincident case ranked the best. Costs are comparable to the Clean Power SF 10-year financial plan, which uh, the commission, you as a commission, approved earlier this year. This portfolio exceeds California PUC's target for Clean Power SF reliability, moving San Francisco closer to providing real-time renewable energy. The 90% time coincident case keeps us on track to achieve the city's 100% renewable goals. This portfolio also will yield comparable local investments as the other portfolios analyzed. And finally, the 90% time coincident portfolio provides long-term rate stability without overbuilding electricity generating resources and causing unnecessary and unreasonable market risk. So staff recommends that the commission approve the 90% time coincident portfolio for submission as Clean Power SF's preferred conforming portfolio to the California PUC. So this concludes my presentation and staff and I are happy to answer your questions. Thank you so much. Colleagues, any comments, questions? No. So, oh, go ahead, please. So, Madam President, so I just one quick question, I uh, or comment, I should say. This has uh, been following, you know, this work, and this is, you know, pretty thorough, and 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 I really feel like this is a significant vote we are about ready to take on the recommendations, not the end all of the world, but still, it's a it's a big uh, benchmark vote. So, um, you know, I'm probably not as totally versed in all the details that you guys have been sorting through and ideas that you've been doing over the last, um, you know, period of time, but I'm, I, I think I'm willing to support this vote. And thank you for such a thorough presentation. Thank you. Commissioner Stacy. Thank you. I really just want to give an appreciation for what Commissioner Paulson just said. This was an incredible amount of information for somebody who's new to the commission. It was really useful to go through the packet and to learn um, so much with your uh, agenda packet. So uh, thank you. You're welcome. Fantastic. Um, Commissioner Paulson, do you have another comment? You. Uh, oh, no. OK. I do want to say I also very much appreciate it. I just want to reemphasize what we, I brought up and I think Commissioner Maxwell brought up last time on the, and you brought it up a little bit yourself too, to make sure we don't overbuild for, for demand that might not be there. So kind of doing some sort of a 
demand level analysis to see how, what are the potentials for people to install um, renewables on their own and how that can impact our baseline would be a very important um, uh, sort of exercise to make sure we are safe. But otherwise, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, can we have public comment? Madam Secretary, thank you. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number 14, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do you have any members of the public present who wish to provide comment on item 14? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are two callers in the queue. Hello, caller, I've opened your line. You've got two minutes. Very briefly, David Pilpel, great work by Cheryl, Peter, Mallory, and others. Thank you all very much. Let's file this IRP. Thanks. Thank you for your comments. Hello, caller, your line is open. You have two minutes. Hello, Commissioners. My name is Jeremy Pollack. I'm the Executive Officer of LAFCO, the San Francisco Local Agency Formation Commission. Uh, and uh, yeah, overall, I would like to, to commend Clean Power SF for their great work on the, the IRP and especially the community engagement process uh, for this has been uh, been very robust and um, appreciate all the time that the staff has made to, to work with myself and some of the other LAFCO commissioners on a number of questions. Um, I submitted a written comment that I'll uh, briefly touch upon, uh, agree with staff's uh, recommendation on uh, recommending the 90% time coincident portfolio. Um, Want to highlight like staff did uh, the challenges of that 95% uh, time coincident mark and hitting that uh, shows the challenges of Oh, I'm sorry, we may be having trouble with your line. Hello, can you hear me now? Yes, Hello. go ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll set the timer back a little bit more. Sorry about that. Thanks, sorry, no, uh, I think I got cut off for a second there, but um, with, uh, I wanted to say that uh, the, the challenges of that 95% time coincident portfolio show that uh, hitting our the winter peak demand that we have is a challenge that we're going to have to look at outside of just building extra solar with solar not performing as well in the winter. Uh, and also really appreciate the alternative portfolios in the IRP and especially the, the building decarbonization electric vehicle adoption program um, that uh, I feel like that's really the target that we need to set on reaching uh, to, to meet the city's climate goals. And uh, I assume I'm about out of time. And uh, so I uh, hope urge you to look at the there's a number of really good written comments in the, the file and uh, look forward to, to seeing this implemented. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, there are no more callers in the queue. Thank you. Public comment on item 14 is closed. Excellent. Any any other comments, colleagues? No. Uh, yes, then uh, we'll, I need a motion and a second on this item. I'll make the motion. So moved. Oh, go ahead. New commissioner. Oh, so moved. Second. Excellent. Uh, Madam Secretary, could you please uh, call the roll? President Ajami? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Paulson? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacey? Aye. You have five ayes. Excellent.
This item is passed. Your uh, congratulations. Uh, can we uh, move to the next item, please? Next item is item number 15, approve the water supply assessment for the proposed 3251 20th Avenue Stonestown project pursuant to California Water Code Section 101910, California Environmental Quality Act Section 21151.9 and CEQA Guidelines Section 15155. Um, good afternoon again, Steve Ritchie, Assistant General Manager for Water. Uh, a water supply assessment uh, is something that the Commission has to routinely uh, prepare for projects that uh, are developments that include more than 500 dwelling units. So in this case, the Stonestown project easily qualifies that for that. Uh, and the whole idea of the water supply assessment is to assess the adequacy of water supplies to serve the proposed project and cumulative demand of other projects. Uh, so there are very you know, strict guidelines about how to prepare water supply assessments, which we follow. Um, the attached water supply assessment to the, to the package itself um, is basically, uh, you know, concludes that uh, under existing conditions, uh, you know, we can uh, uh, meet, meet the project's demands, uh, that if the, uh, a voluntary agreement were reached, uh, because of, of the complication of the litigation over the state water quality control plan. If a voluntary agreement was reached, we could meet the con uh, demands. Uh, and if the uh, water quality control plan were to take place, uh, we would have a system-wide issue that we have to deal with, but this project would not contribute specially to any problem with uh, achieving the demands consistent with all of the other agencies or all the other entities out there. Uh, again, this is required by uh, state law. It is not approval of the project. It's just approval of the assessment of the water supply, which we then convey to the planning department for their use uh, in the environmental review process. Uh, so I'd be happy to answer any questions about this. Colleagues, questions? I have a question. <laughs> and I do have a technical expert, Fan Lau, here to support me for any details. Might Perfect, you have your A team with you. You got it. <laughs> um, First, um, does this fall under our 100,000 square foot and higher needs to have on-site reuse, or that's only if it's stacked on top of each other? Um, well, it's, it's not about stacked. It's about the overall uh, development, and I believe it's anywhere in San Francisco. So I think this yeah, is, I this is bit, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think I saw it in there, but maybe I missed it, so um, I apologize. Um, if it's it's uh, is it in yes. there the on-site reuse fine. systems okay um the second thing i wanted to ask was uh, mr ricci it's um i wonder if these opportunities are also giving us a chance to these new developments are also giving us a chance to kind of explore this net zero water kind of development a little bit more thoroughly and get them to do a little bit more than that like I don't know, using toilet water for shower water to toilet flushing or something like that. I don't know that's something we need to actually go through the regulatory process to be able to do, or this is something that we can encourage the developers to do. Um, I mean, this is a big development and an opportunity for the city and us to uh, encourage a different kind of thinking around water. So I'm wondering if we are we taking advantage of that? 
I think we'd be thinking of that more as a regulatory process or a separate policy consideration. Okay. This is the preparation of a particular technical document for the use of the planning department. Uh, and the CEQA process would also be a place where that could be considered in some way. But I think that really would be in the realm of the Board of Supervisors uh, and the Commission to encourage it. But we don't do it as part of the uh, technical analysis what of what they're doing. Okay. Got it. Thank you so much. Any other comments, questions? No? Thank you. Can we have public comment, please? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number 15, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do we have any members of the public present to provide comment? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Uh, Madam Secretary, there are four callers in the queue. Hello, caller, I've opened your line. You have two minutes to comment on item 15. I'm Eileen Boken, Coalition for San Francisco Neighborhoods, speaking on my own behalf urging the commission to continue this item to provide the opportunity for a more robust analysis. Even though the project site is close to Ocean Beach, there is no mention of desalination in this uh, report. It should be noted that there is now offshore desal, which requires no onshore footprint. There is offshore desal technology, which uses wave power rather than electricity. In this report, scenario number one, is no implementation of the Bay Delta plan, amendment, or proposed voluntary agreement. This appears to be the PUC's preferred alternative. Scenario two is implementation of proposed voluntary agreement. The third and final scenario is uh, a scenario number three, implementation of Bay Delta plan amendment. Uh, scenario number three seems to be the PUC's over my dead body alternative. The report also states, and I quote, in other words, the proposed project has already been accounted for in the SFPUC's water supply planning, end quote. In other words, there is sufficient water for this project, sufficient water for possibly making San Jose and Santa Clara permanent customers, but insufficient water for the salmon. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, I've opened your line. You have two minutes. Uh, David Filpel, very briefly, just to reinforce that this does not indicate project approval, just availability of water to serve it. Not indicating the source, not indicating the use, just that there is sufficient water available to serve the project as described under the state water code. So to that end, I support with this resolution. Thanks very much. Thank you for your comments. Hello, caller, I've opened your line. You have two minutes. So commissioners, we have to look at this project uh, with the housing element in mind. And right where this project is supposed to be built some over 3,000 units, 1,000 units are vacant, much like 61,000 homes in San Francisco are vacant. Now, this is just a preliminary assessment. 
And even in the preliminary assessment, the SFPUC should be mindful that we should not be using treated, clean drinking water to flush our toilets. But let's see how y'all, let's see how y'all uh, adjudicate this um, this agenda item. We must stop in this land of the Muwakma Ohlone. We must stop high-rise buildings and these large projects, 3,000 housing units. The next door, over 1,000 units are vacant. Think about that. Don't have no clue what you are doing. Oh, I want to be a commissioner. A commissioner for what? To rubber stamp and pat your behinds? That's what you all are doing. You have a general manager who's not even an engineer. He was a city attorney. He was there, to, uh, he was put there to investigate. He investigated the last general manager, and now he's sitting in the last general manager's chair. What type of a comedy is this? Making 500,000. Thank you for your comments. Hello, caller. I've opened your line. You have two minutes. Thank you. Peter Drecklar, Tuolumne River Trust. A few years ago, after the Bay Delta Plan update was adopted, making it the law, even though it hasn't been implemented yet as a result of the SFPUC lawsuits and others, there are a number of these water supply assessments that came back to the commission because they had to be reworked. And I participated in those meetings. I made comments. Uh, at one point, they were sent back to staff to address some issues. I then attended the planning commission meetings, and there was a big disconnect between the two commissions. And I pointed this out, and both commissions agreed that it would be very helpful for the commissions to maybe have a joint session to talk about uh, these water supply assessments. SFUC staff disagreed, and nothing happened. And at one point, there were two SFPUC commissioners that voted no on a water supply assessment because they were essentially being ignored. Uh, so what I did, I, I was prepared to appeal one of the projects. I had my appeal letter ready. I had a check in hand. I gave the mayor's office a, a courtesy notice I was going to do that. And they said, whoa, 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 well, let's talk. What can we do? And in exchange for not appealing, they gave me 10 minutes on the planning commission agenda. And I presented and people agreed, but felt like, oh, this is a bigger issue. We can't address it right now with this one water supply assessment. Um, they also created the mayor's water supply task force. When we got, had conversations with all the stakeholders, we could present, SFPC staff could present. It took away the he said, she said. It was great for getting the truth out there. We always welcome those opportunities. It's just not right that the SFPC will always make water available for development, even if it's a really good project or a bad project, but never for the environment. And the, the truth is we could grow and put more water in the river. Uh, we present a Thank you for your comments. Sorry, your time has expired. Madam Secretary, there are no more callers in the queue. Thank you, public comment. And item 15 is closed. Colleagues, any follow-up comments, questions? 
Um, with that, can I have a motion and a second, please? A move to approve the water supply assessment. I second. Thank you. Uh, Madam Secretary, please call the roll. President Jami? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Paulson? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have five ayes. Just one quick comment before we move on. I just want to say we, we do need to think a little bit more strategically about this whole land use, water use connection at some point and have a better strategy around that. So um, hopefully at some point we'll get to have a more in-depth conversation um, maybe in the coming year. But thank you so much. And next item, please. Next item is item 16, improve the terms and conditions of and recommend to the Board of Supervisors the approval of a five-year site use agreement, including four five-year extension options between VB Nimbus LLC and the City and County of San Francisco through the PUC as tenant to use approximately 345 square feet of ground space and certain space on an existing radio tower at 32322 Coral Hollow Road in Tracy, California for the installation, operation, maintenance, and repair and replacement of radio equipment for the SFPUC Water Enterprise Radio Replacement Project at an initial monthly use fee of 2500 with 3% annual increases and authorize the general manager to execute the agreement upon approval from the Board of Supervisors and Mayor. This action constitutes approval action for the project for the purposes of CEQA, pursuant to Section 31.04H of the San Francisco Administrative Code. The Planning Department has determined that this action is exempt from CEQA. If the item is approved, the Commission will rely on that determination to make its decision. Steve Ritchie, Assistant General Manager for Water. Uh, this is one particular component, a special component of our radio project to upgrade our radio system throughout the water enterprise, stretching from Hetch Hetchy all the way down into the Bay Area. This is at a critical juncture uh, at a place called Corral, Corral Hollow. Uh, you might notice a sign if you go south on 580 for Corral, Corral Hollow Road, uh, which is basically southwest of Tracy. Uh, it's it's I lovingly say it's in the middle of nowhere because this is where Tesla, our Tesla facility is. It's really out there. Uh, but that's a good thing for a radio project. That's what we want. This is a key place where uh, we can sign an agreement with somebody who has an existing tower. We know have no land ownership in the area. Uh, so that's why it's set up also for a long-term agreement uh, with a five-year term with four possible five-year extensions so that we could keep this for a long time because it's really critical for the, the straight shot. It gets to Moccasin and again to our local facilities in the area. So we highly recommend uh, approval of this uh, lease agreement. Thank you. Colleagues, any questions for Mr. Ritchie? Um, can we have public comment, please? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item 16, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do we have any members of the public present who wish to provide comment on item 16? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there is one caller wishing to be recognized. Hello, caller, I've opened your line. You have two minutes to comment. Caller, are you there? Hmm. Madam Secretary, there are no more callers in the queue. Thank you. Public comment on item 16 is closed. Colleagues, if there, is, there are no, no other questions, uh, can I have a motion and a second, please? Move to approve. 
Second. Thank you. Madam Secretary, please call the roll. President Jami? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Paulson? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacey? Aye. You have five ayes. Excellent. The item passes. Thank you. Uh, Madam Secretary, could you please read the next item? Next item is item number 17. Adopt, approve and adopt the general manager's finding that Lenel On Guard and Milestone Exportech security system products are sole source products available for single sources that are necessary to match existing products used in the SFPUC facilities and authorize a general manage, manager to designate Lenel On Guard and Milestone X product security system and equipment in contract specifications as sole source products in public work contract specifications for public works project procurements in conformance with San Francisco Administrative Code Section 6.73E1 and Public Contract Code Section 3400C. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Ron Flynn, Deputy General Manager. I'm here today to talk about two security projects, um, products that are important to the safety of our employees and the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission's facilities. The first is called On Guard, and it's a badging system. You probably are all familiar with it. When you, when you come to the PUC building, you put your badge on, and that um, uh, allows you to win. That is actually a... Um, a system that is backed up by software. The decision was made in 2010 to use that system in the PUC building. In 2018, it was made to use it in our other facilities. So now we have almost a fully integrated badging system where you could go throughout our agencies and as a PUC employee, you can work. The other is um, a, um, a software that runs our video technology for our security system. Both of these systems are managed and maintained by emergency planning um, and security systems. Um, the reason we're here today is, um, as I said, for safety of our employees and our facilities, but the real reason is a practical reason. For us to continue to match our systems as we continue to grow and build out and replace, we must use those magic words in our procurements. We must say we want to use on guard and we want to use um, um, the milestone X protect. Um, that, that calls for a finding by General Manager Herrera, which in consultation with our security department he made, and that is before you today to allow us to put those into the procurements so that when we, it goes out to bid, everybody knows we are going to be using this badging system, and please use that when you're putting your bid together. Um, and with that, I'm happy to take questions, um, and I have some expert support as well um, if there are technical questions. Commissioner Maxwell, please. Thank you. Uh, so are we then, this is a sole source contract? This would be a sole source to match our current uh, systems to, throughout um, right. our system. So often it seems to me that those sole source contracts to match the systems, at some point after five, six, seven, eight years, they become a problem. Yes. Because, that, that, mm -hmm. no, I'm just wondering, is that going to be a problem for us having a system that only one is a sole source system. So if they something happens to them and they go out of business, and there's then what? So um, that, that's a very astute um, and you know fine thing that we must do as public agencies, right? We must try to 
be um, strategic in making sure that we have uniformity throughout so that we can repair our systems, we can operate them, it can be done from a central place. We must keep our eye on the fact that something will go out of business and is it still at the top of the game. That's why, that's why periodically the security team has to undertake an evaluation and see that if they're still there and still steady. Because if we find out they're not, what we do is we undertake a big study and says, okay, what's our badging system going to be? How are we going to do new things throughout? We don't undertake that lightly because it's expensive. So that is, that is why it comes back periodically to look. That assessment was recently done to say that they're still viable and top tier and they are working for us. And so we want to continue to match. Um, which is a different thing than sort of saying we want um, competition, like we still put out to market for who's going to install this for us, who's going to put it. It's a small portion of a larger contract. But we need to be mindful of that always, and that is why we go through this review and come back periodically. Yeah, I, I certainly understand that. I just want to make sure that you know we are not caught up in what we, we have been caught up with, the city being so outdated and it costing us a fortune um, to, to update and be able to communicate. So um, that's why the question, so how often do we do these evaluations? Well, I know that in 2018 and 2019, the individual pieces were looked at, and they're mm -hmm. being looked at again now with this approval here. Um, and usually because these systems go into contracts that last, you know, or some SISA, we're building this building, it's, it's a very long project, this badging system is going to be in that building. So I imagine that we will match that into the life of um, a current. And then we will, so in a few years, probably five years, we'll look at this. And then we'll start saying, should we be planning for a future about a new system and changing over? But there, 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 there's time lags because of, because of the process of building new things and matching what we have. So, so is there any way to hold these, the, 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 um, contractors accountable so if they do go out if something happens that in some way we can be made whole um well these aren't contractors um but i hear you saying but so these are these are this, this is actually products system. that we specify system, in, in, yeah. um, in, in the in the system and yes you know through contractual um purchases and warranties um but where we get our protections is that when um um if they go out of business, then it's a bankrupt. If they go into a bankruptcy, which we have no evidence and no nothing showing that they are, they're top tier um, companies. Um, then we're in a world of hurt, no matter what. Um, um, but we do seek to include warranties and other protections and get insurance through the contracts that we are procuring and protect ourselves like that. But so we, if we don't get, have. If they get gobbled up, we're still okay. If they get gobbled up. We're often okay. We often are come back for you for like a 12X waiver because someone in Texas bought them and now we need permission to um, um, buy from Texas. So those kinds of things happen, but yes, um, they, they get assigned. Thank you. Commissioner Paulson. So, um, Mr. Flynn, I, I am very much of, you know, as a public servant, I'm very much aware of, you know, fiduciary and fiscal responsibilities and getting the best bang for the buck for the customers and the citizens of San Francisco. Um, but at the same time, I, I know that, uh, you know, if something works, that's what you want to have. And with the diligence that you just explained to Supervisor Maxwell, uh, I can see that you're doing that kind of stuff because, you know, just the idea of bidding to bid 
because of the first thing that I mentioned doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the product and the service that you need. And, and I'm glad we're not getting caught up with that, or at least um, I'm going to vote yes on this. I'll telegraph that right now. And, and you know, thanks for the diligence, because if it works, then let's make sure it continues to work in the future, which it seems to be what you're presenting to us today with a recommendation. So thank you. Well, thank you, and I'm going to pass the thanks on to the people behind me who actually are doing that diligence. Excellent. Any other comments, colleagues? Okay. Uh, can we have public comment on this, on this item? Thank you. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item 17, please press star 3 to raise your hand to speak. Do any members of the public present to speak to this item? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Public comment on item 17 is closed. Colleagues, if there are no more questions, can I have a, a, a motion and a second, please? Move to approve. Second. Madam Secretary, could you please call the roll? President Jummy? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Paulson? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have five ayes. Excellent. Con item passes. Next item, please. Next item is item 18, approve the plans and specifications and award contract number DB132 in the amount of $165,032,269 and with a duration of 1,095 consecutive calendar days to the sole qualified responsible and responsive bidder, PCL Construction and Stantec Consulting Services Joint Venture in accordance with San Francisco Administrative Code Section 6.23C3 to design and construct a new Treasure Island wastewater treatment plant. Jignesh Desai, Project Manager for Infrastructure Division. <clears throat> uh, I'll be very brief. It's been a long day for you all, so I'll try to be as brief as I can. <clears throat> the objective of this design-build contract is to provide wastewater and recycled water treatment uh, requirements to support the Treasure Island and YBI development. Uh, if Commission approves today, Design Builder will be responsible to design, construct, and commission the new facility for operation by 2026 within the awarded price. The other few uh, important objectives are to maximize the orders at the fence line, produce the Title 22 compliant water for reuse for the new development, and most importantly, provide flexibility to provide with future regulations that we have to potentially meet. Uh, I was here a few months ago. I had gone through this slide, but basically uh, we are constructing this plan for the future full build-out to the phase four, what they call a developer. And the design flow average is 1.3 MGD, million gallons per day, and the peak wet weather will be 3.9 million gallons per day. Uh, we'll be able to fulfill all the development's demands for Title 22 quality recycled water up to the peak of 1 million gallons per day. Uh, project will provide thickening of the waste activated sludge uh, and that small volume will be taken to our Oceanside plant. Uh, we are leaving a footprint for future solids handling at that island if when the necessary uh, phase four happens. This slide depicts the timeline. I'm not going to go back to 2020, but I was here in August 2020 to ask uh, approval to negotiate with the sole bidder 
and approve the general manager's mm -hmm. determination mm -hmm. of sole, sole bidder. Uh, once the commission, uh, commission approved that day, project team devised very meticulous and thorough negotiation process. And today I'd like to share uh, the steps that we took. So our negotiation approach was done in two phases. In the first phase, our infrastructure engineering team and wastewater enterprise subject matter experts come through sole source, sole proposer to ensure validity of their base proposal complies with the RFP and, and the bridging documents that we had. Approximately 1,200 compliance items that were validated between the RFP and the proposer's uh, proposal. Uh, once we confirmed the validity of this base, we challenged both our own staff and the proposed design builder to find ways to bridge the difference between the fixed budget limit and the base proposal. So in last two months, our contract admin bureau facilitated three workshops face-to-face, -face, meeting with the proposed design builder to find the ways to bridge that delta between the, our budget and the proposer. Uh, we had multiple uh, calls, specific topics, electrical, control, et cetera. We explored our fo over 40 propositions to bringing this back to the budget. Uh, with uh, above negotiation, we were able to bridge about 46% of the gap uh, without impacting the design performance and level of service for wastewater treatment plant. So this is a sort of summary of our uh, uh, staff's good work. Uh, uh, basically, we were addressed through the three categories. The first category is treatment process-related scope of work. Uh, this included items such as equalization basin and grid removal consideration, uh, and that reduced the overall cost by $1.3 million. Uh, again, I want to remind the Commission, as I said before, this does not impact design performance nor the level of service of the wastewater treatment plant. The second category listed here includes items such as compressing the site layout, uh, so that way we reduce the conduits chases and that way we can reduce the cost. Uh, the category also includes a site-wide fencing adjustment that subsequently will require civic design review approval. So in essence, the overall reduction was about $4 million in that category. The last one is in our RFP, we had included potential enhancements, part of the strategy for evaluating proposers. Uh, these items included such as warranty and maintenance uh, contracts above, above and beyond we typically put in our contracts. So this was additionally what we st our standard warranty period. Uh, collaboration with our enterprise operation and maintenance staff, we are, uh, they were amenable to not include the portions of enhancements, thus uh, saving up about quarter million dollars. Uh, so in summary, staff's negotiation efforts have resulted savings of $5.6 million. So in conclusion, the staff recommends award of contract number DB132, New Treasure Island Wastewater Treatment Plant, uh, to sole qualified responsible and responsive bidder PCL construction at the negotiated fixed budget limit of $165,32,269 and negotiated contract duration of 1,095 consecutive calendar days. With that, I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Commissioner Maxwell. Thank you. Um, good work on this. I was wondering, you know, in, in lieu of these booms and, and we're looking at the work we're doing, is there anything in this project that, um, and I believe the problem happens with secondary treatment, um, is there anything in, in this um, 
new project that's going to help um, have less nutrients? You will be happy to hear the answer. This project does include biological nutrient removal oh. from the influent. Uh, so we are kind of ahead of the curve when the project is done. So does, this project does include nutrient removal. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. That's great to hear. Thank you. I also have a question. I, you might have answered this last time, but I can't remember. The wetland that's in the front, is that the constructed wetland that we have we are putting in place? And the idea is for to do another set of processing after, after the, um, basically putting the effluent through, the, through this process, right? That's accurate. We call oh. it polishing wetland. Polishing wetland. Uh, so basically, effluent goes through the wetland and through the outfall. Okay, on, uh, during the extreme events that sometimes we run at, you know, I, I know we are looking at all this different capacity, uh, creating some space to, for uh, extreme events, but in case we have something out of norm, uh, you know, it's not an uncommon thing these days to have all of these extreme events happening, would the effluent, like the secondary effluent or the tertiary, would go through, can, can it be directed through this? Would this be able to do anything in case we have an overflow or no? You mean the wetland? Yes. Yeah, it has a storage volume and it okay. will do the treatment, additional storage potentially. But as you noted, uh, we also have designed our treatment plan for three times peak wet weather capacity, right? right? So it is not a it's almost 4 million gallons, even though normal flow is 1.3. Uh, with the collection system, brand new collection system at Treasure Island, we don't expect much intrusion through the collection system of, you know, INI, what they call. Uh, so we are pretty confident that the capacity we have at the treatment plant will be able to handle the peak wet weather, okay. and then the wetland can store some of the flow, excess okay. flow. In case we have something even bigger than what we have designed for. Correct. Which is, uh, you know, honestly, every, every year you see something new in this weather patterns we are going through. So it's good to know that we have a sort of a secondary um, stopgap that can help us in case something happens. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, colleagues, any other comments, questions? No? Um, can we have pu public comment? No, okay. <laughs> public comment, please. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item 18, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do you have any members of the public present to provide comment on this item? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do we have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Public comment on item 18 is closed. There's no more further discussion. Can we have, uh, can I have a motion and a second, please? Move, Move to approve. Second. <laughs> <laughs> Madam Secretary, please call the roll. President Jami? Aye. Vice President Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Paulson? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have five eyes. Excellent. Item passes. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you. Okay, so, uh, Madam Secretary, is, is there any other items? That concludes your business for the day. Excellent. So, with that, we adjourn this meeting.